We all know that Samuel L. Jackson is positively iconic in the role of Nick Fury in The Avengers. There was an idea, Stark knows this, called The Avengers Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people, see if they could become something more, see if they could work together when we needed them to, to fight the battles that we never could. But did you know he wasn't the only candidate Marvel considered? Nick Fury auditions, Nick Nolte. There was an idea, Little Lumpy knows this, called the My Dentures Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people, Roscoe's Ashes, my coffee can, Richard Dreyfus, my Superman costume, my parole officer, the man who lives in my shoe, to see if they could become something more, like a unicorn, to see if they could work together to find my dentures when we needed them to, to fight the battles that we never could from the comfort of a Barnes and Noble bathroom near you, god damn it! Mick Fury auditions, Al Pacino. There was an idea, Jack knows this, called the Arthropod Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group consisting of two remarkable actors, a couple of fictional characters, and a shit ton of sideshow freaks to see if they could become something more. To see if they could work together when the world needed them to. To successfully recur on a movie podcast beyond the 67th episode. We failed. Nobody's heard from us in like a year. Geppetto's off making movies somewhere. Tote's working on his stand-up. Jack is going to Lakers games to show he's still alive. Dr. Merlot is trying to make infomercials a thing again. I said Brandy. Wait, his full name is Brandon Merlot. Brandy. Everything's streaming now, baby. Oh, speaking of which, Jacob Joseph, you better switch to Huggies, because that diaper is not doing its job. Nick Fury auditions, Gene Shalit. There was an idea. Frank Gumble knows this called the Revengers Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of mustachioed film critics, me, Joel Siegel, Leonard Malton, and ugh, Neil Gabler, to see if we could become something more, to see if we could work together when syndicated television needed us to, to take revenge, get it, on Hollywood by reviewing movies the way those clean lips, Cisco, Ebert, Roper, and ugh, Jeffrey Lyons never could. For example, watch the maestro at work. <clears throat> the amazing Spider-Man. More like a bucket of shit. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. Welcome to episode 95 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. And this week, we're hearkening back just 11 years to May 4th, 2012, and what was clearly a huge gamble for producer Kevin Feige in the early days of Marvel Studios, the release of the superhero team-up flick, The Avengers, starring Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, and Jeremy Renner. In addition, we're also going to look back at the other 
other two high-profile superhero films of summer 2012, The Amazing Spider-Man, a reboot that came just five years after the last entry of Sam Raimi's trilogy, and which starred Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, and the final chapter in Christopher Nolan's Batman saga, The Dark Knight Rises, which promised a definitive end to Bruce Wayne's story and starred Christian Bale, Anne Hathaway, and Tom Hardy. But before we dive into all these superheroic hijinks, where were we all in May 2012? I believe I was about to move into a new apartment. This is a bit of a stressful time. I was the father of two children at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my my son was four. My daughter was two. I was about two years into my tenure in Disney's The Lion King on Broadway. And um, we were moving apartments. Our apartment that we bought, we sold because I think I, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. My daughter was living, my son was living in like uh, right. in a Harry Potter closet esque situation. <laughs> we put up a wall in our bedroom. This up in, in uh, Heights, in Washington Heights? Inwood. Oh, you're in Inwood. Okay. Yeah. Inwood, Way yeah, even there. further up. Yeah, we were on uh, 218 and uh, loved Inwood. Great, great. I still, I still miss it. And, um, and my daughter Izzy was was living in the foyer, and we she literally was in a pack and play <laughs> that we would wrap with a a sheet, a yellow sheet that we still have. So when Aww. I would come in at night, or if Kate wanted to go to sleep, she wouldn't see, she couldn't see out of it. Uh, and I wanted to stay, and Kate was like, "Absolutely not! We need to get out of here." So we sold the apartment, and. We ended up uh, renting a place right around the block, and it was a lovely. We we sort of uh, we we're we we're punching above our, our weight limit, as they say. We, <laughs> we got a place, and uh, it was. I think I don't know if, if either of you guys were there. I think Jason, you were there. It was the duplex with the with the yes with yes, the, yes 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 yeah yes, yes. it was it was beautiful. It was really nice, but it was yes. um we we probably should have found a place that was a little cheaper, save some money. But our, <laughs> we were like, ooh, this is pretty. This is nice. So we um. Were we unavailable we to help you move, or did we refuse to help? Uh, no, but here's a funny story. I don't know if you were around. <laughs> I had asked. That's true. I had asked a bunch of people in the show. Uh, you know, I was like, "Hey, can you give me a couple of? Can you can you give me a morning and and just move all this stuff?" And what happened was, I got a. We use this company called Schleppers. I think they were called. This isn't mm-hmm. a plug for them, but they were. I just like saying the name. So. We had packed everything into boxes and I had only paid for them to take the furniture, right? And I figured me and my friends the next morning would take all the boxes over with everything else. It was just around the block, so it wouldn't be too bad. The movers were really nice. And after they took all the furniture, they're like, what do you want to do with these boxes? And I was like, oh, well, I didn't pay for that. So, you know, I'm going to take them tomorrow with my friend. And the guy was like, we're here with the truck. Do you want us to take them? I was like, uh, sure. So they took, I gave them a, you know, really big tip. They moved everything. So when my friends came, there was really nothing for them to move except, (laughs) and my friend Ben still gives me shit. Ben Jeffrey plays, who's played Pumbaa with me there for the last, uh, you know, 13 some odd years. He uh, still gives me shit to this day because there were only, it was just like flotsam and jetsam that had to be moved. (laughs) One of the flotsam and jetsam was uh, my kid's diaper genie. Which I had not emptied out yet. No. And I kept telling him, I was like, dude, don't worry, I'll I'll take that, I'll take that. And he took it. So to this day, he's oh. like, seriously, he's like, what did I say? Because he told me he was saying beforehand, he's like, look, I'll help you move, but please don't be one of those guys that like there's just random shit everywhere, just box everything. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I, everything was boxed. 
You were going to take the boxes. This random Flotsam and Jetsam was the stuff that I was going to take, but the movers took the boxes. So you were stuck with the Flotsam and Jetsam, including a big garbage can full of my kids' dirty diapers. So to this day, he won't let me live this down. How was that discovered? And was it along the walk? Was it, you know, did the stink follow him? And was he like, what's wrong with this? Like, how was it? What, how, take us through the discovery. What He walked in my apartment. I was like, there's a diaper genie and he picked it up and he's like, you motherfucker, you didn't pack it. I was like, no, they took the boxes. No, no. I'm saying the discovery that there was dirty, there poopy dirty diaper, diaper in it. it. Oh, it was pretty apparent as soon as you came close to it. Oh, for fuck's sake. Then why did you not take it out right then and there, you <laughs> idiot? Because I meant, but Dan. You're Dan, disgusting. No, <laughs> no these no. these things, they're meant to hold in the scents. So you don't have to do it right away. And it was, it, they're plastic and bags. And full, I was going. So you didn't want to waste it. I was going it to do it. It wasn't full. And that's no, no. the reason. That's in, in essence what you're saying. I, there's feces <laughs> in it. There's feces in it. Yeah, but it's meant to hold feces. But Pumbaa is not meant to hold feces. <laughs> but he was only he supposed is. to move the boxes. That's not a trade-off. How is that a trade-off? When you have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, they just poop at random. Oh, for God's sake. He was upset because he thought that, like, that's that's what was my moving plan. And my plan was, no, we were just going to get the boxes, but all of those were moved. By the time they got all those sweet, lovely guys got there, that was all there was, just buckets of shit for them to carry. (laughs) You insensitive asshole. That was it. Very good. Very good. What about you, Dan? I had already moved out to the the hills by this time, had I not, Jason? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was in Forest Hills and uh, I think still doing, you know, uh, I'm still a couple of years. This is 2012 we're in. Yeah. Uh Yeah. So I'm still a couple of years. I'm a year away from doing Hudson Valley with you, I think. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that that 2013? Yep. It's 2013. I'm still hustling. I'm still doing the thing. But now the commute is much longer. That's really the only only difference. And we have very much nicer digs. And I'm out there with our old pal, Jeremy. Speaking of carrying poop, I emptied (laughs) his bed. I was going to say, so you carried the bed. Pans I did in a legendary uh, evening of uh, friendship, scream, of screaming and friendship. Friendship, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of him going, yeah, and friendship. yeah, because he's uh, sciatic. His sciatic oh, nerve guy. was bothering him, and he couldn't do anything. And so, uh, yeah, it was hospitals and bedpans, and oh, yeah, it was great. It was great. <laughs> but that was years before this. No, this was moving out to Forest Hills, out on to. Uh, um, Metropolitan Avenue, right? And then That's right. a couple years later, you guys moved into our moved into place. your place. Yeah, well, yeah. About that Forest Hills is a great neighborhood. Anybody who's thinking about going, you know, you live there now, Jason. We lived it's there for the many years. It really is, and it's because you don't f- you feel like you've really gotten out of the city. You've you're in these like you walk you know, up Continental Ave and it's like, there's all these like Tudor style homes, and it's very suburban. It's quiet. Yeah. It's lovely. Eight years ago tomorrow, May 1st, is when you moved out and I moved in. Remember, we did that. We oh did, did all that stuff. We got God. the stuff out of your place into your pod and we got stuff out of my apartment that I was staying in and watching. Eight and we did that already. crazy. It was like all that we were doing it all at night because <sighs> you had to leave. I was in had had rehearsal all day and then I was in a show at night and so it was like after my show and we did it all late at night and then we ate at that Wendy's (laughs) we were so hungry and tired and we ate at that Wendy's in Forest Hills like at at like midnight just sitting in the car just just chewing our cud but I still remember moving in that yeah it was exactly eight years ago Avengers it was funny because um we saw we went down to see that 
uh, and it was it, it was sold out. So we went to see, but the later show was not. So so uh, Taylor and I saw um, Cabin in the Woods, and then saw the oh. Avengers. So we did like oh, a right. double feature down by down in. Uh, Tribeca, I think, Fred. Isn't there a the ba- movie theater the Battery there? Park yeah. theater. Battery Park. Yeah, yeah. down Battery there. Park and there's theater. a uh, and there's a bagel place down there. There's like an S yeah. bagel or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we got bagels there in between the two shows, I remember. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to go there all the time when we lived down there. Wow. So good. Is so, this so the good. latest... Uh, not the latest, yep. but is, is is this the most yeah. the, the 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 latest year that we've done? Yeah, yeah. 2012? Yeah, wow. Yeah. What were you doing, JJ? Yeah. I was, I saw the Avengers on opening night too. I was, I was in rehearsals for We saw it together, didn't we? I I saw it like four times, but I think the first time I might've seen it just alone because I went to like the midnight show. I saw it like easily four times. I saw it once with Gabra. I saw it with you. I saw it on my own. So I don't, maybe I'm getting this, the screening wrong, but I just know it was like, it was a very late night. I had had Hudson Valley rehearsal until like eight thirty or nine because we had the regular day of rehearsal. And then I was starting work on the dork night on my one man show. And that was going to be, I had done some readings of it, but then I was going to do the first full production of it, it was going to be at Hudson Valley uh, Shakespeare festival summer of 2012. So in addition to the other plays I was rehearsing, I had to carve out time to work on that too. And I remember it was like nine o'clock or something at night. And I left the rehearsal studio and I was like, I am going to fucking go see Avengers right now. So maybe I just, maybe I just snuck it in uh, on my, on my own. But I remember it being very, I mean, just loving it. And then uh, seeing it, like I said, multiple times in that first week or two, but. um, How many Sheila's? How many Sheila's for the dark night? I give it 10. Yes, you should. And were you working in things from the dark night rises into your show? Well, that's the thing. Like I had, you know, the show was there. There was a, I had edited it, worked on it. I had been paring it down, but I was like, I don't know what the end of the show is yet because I don't know how I'm going to feel about this movie until I see it or Mm. what it is or what I'm going to say about it or how it factors in because it would be too weird. My show at Hudson Valley was opening like July 27th or something or July 25th and literally Dark Knight Rises opened July 20th of that year. So and I, how did you feel about Dark Knight Rises? How many Sheila's? You're just, see, th- this is what along. happens. Um, I'll save that for when we talk about it, but yeah, people have heard what I- what Well, I listen, whatever it is, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. We literally referenced Avengers and Dark Knight Rises. I know, I love it. we'll go to the Amazing Spider-Man. I knew it. Yeah, and you know exactly why we're going to the Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, Mr. Parker. Not much to tell, really. Peter lives with his aunt and uncle. Did you catch that spider guy yet? No, but we will. This guy wears a mask like an outlaw. I think he's trying to do something maybe the police can't. Can't? <laughs> you know, if you're gonna steal cars, don't dress like a car thief. You a cop? You seriously think I'm a cop? In a skin tie, red and blue suit. Who are you? I know it's been rough for you, Peter. (laughs) I forgot all about that thing. He was your dad's. Your father was a very secretive man, Peter. Dr. Connors, I'm Richard Parker's son. Your father and I were going to change the lives of millions, including mine. 
Abandoned by his parents, played by Campbell Scott and M. Beth Davids, and raised by his Aunt May and Uncle Ben, played by Sally Field and Martin Sheen, teenager Peter Parker, played by Andrew Garfield, is agonizing, rebel-without-a-clue style, over who he is and exactly what his feelings are for his first crush, Gwen Stacy, played by Emma Stone. When Peter finds a mysterious briefcase that belonged to his father, he pursues a quest to solve his parents' disappearance— That quest goes nowhere, but his search does take him to the lab of Dr. Kurt Connors, played by Reese Ifans. Am I saying that right? Do we think Mm. that's it? Reese Ifans? It's uh, Richard Masur. (laughs) But seriously, (laughs) if anybody, call in. Call into this podcast on Spotify if if anybody knows what the the pronunciation of this guy's name is. But I'm going to go with Reese Ifans. Alexa, how do you pronounce Reese Ifans? (laughs) Fred B. Alexa. It is pronounced Corina Corina. (laughs) Thank thank you, Alexa. All right. We're not going to get to the bottom of this. That's what (laughs) what Fred's Fred's colonoscopy does. (laughs) Flashback. You cut out my colonoscopy story. You cut out. You. It was thing. right before we said next week on opening weekend. You tell a story about a, where you're like you come back from going to the bathroom. And you're like, oh, did I tell you my colonoscopies? There's nothing about it made me think that it was supposed to be part of the show. We had already reviewed the movies. It was done. It was done. We were done. I wasn't apparently. You weren't. But so James I'm and sorry. Johnny Peach literally had a colonoscopy in it, and you still cut the thing. Okay. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> Fred had part of a colonoscopy a little while back. It was a horrible, it was a horrible botched procedure. Think of like, think of six of the worst things that could happen during a colonoscopy. Those things happened. Yeah. Then Fred told us all about it last time we were recording. I didn't keep it. I thought I'd spare your ears, but I got many a text afterwards saying, I can't believe you cut it. As if this was... A, a podcast dedicated to anal health as it opposed is called to it's opening about. weekend. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, so so anytime through this episode that Fred wants to sprinkle in details about his colonoscopy, you can't. Please don't say it that way. <laughs> anytime you want to splatter in details. Oh. <laughs> Just, you know, if, you, if, if during our conversation you want to throw something against the wall, see what sticks. <laughs> no, come on. Look, drop a juicy tidbit. (laughs) Drop a juicy tidbit. Okay. (laughs) I could see that Batman, uh, since we're doing Batman this week, splat, pow, blam, (laughs) oof, glork, (laughs) flamp, (laughs) flork, however you spell that. Flork. End of flashback. All right, look. The quest goes nowhere. That's also what Fred's colonoscopy doctor said. But his... No. The quest goes nowhere, but his search does take him to the lab of Dr. Kurt Connors, played by, I'm going with Reese Fons, setting him on a collision course with Connors' alter ego, the lizard. And, oh yes, he becomes Spider-Man somewhere in there as well. Cribbing from the Sam Raimi origin story as much as it tries to subvert it, The Amazing Spider-Man looks and feels like what it is, an attempt by Sony to hold on to the rights to the character so that they wouldn't revert back to Marvel. The results, both of this and The Amazing Spider-Man 2, left the property damaged enough that Sony had little choice but to at least share the character with Marvel Studios, paving the way for yet a third reboot of the wall crawler in 2016's Captain America Civil War. The Amazing Spider-Man made $62 million over its opening 
Thanksgiving weekend en route to a $262 million domestic gross and a worldwide haul of nearly $758 million. Fred and Dan, what did you boys think of the amazing Spider-Man? I was very, very surprised. I'd never seen it. Uh-huh. I was very pleasantly surprised. I think this movie probably catches a lot of flack because people compare it to the Sam Raimi. I think it is an unfair comparison. I think it stands on its own and I think it stands well on its own. I had a lot of insomnia this week. So in the middle of the night, three nights in a row, I watched this one and then I watched two, which is lovely and sad. And then I watched the third one with young Spider-Man, uh, uh, Holland, Tom Holland, which the I had never seen. The third what? one of those. You, oh, the third of the Go Tom home Holland to movies. Where you belong. Spider-Man, that has Andrew get your ass home. Whatever that oh, one's yeah, called. Yeah. Lovely. Wonderful. That's one of the best superhero movies I've, I've ever seen. That, it's if fantastic. We, if we yeah, were yeah. doing a superhero top 10, that would be near the top. That's yeah. a brilliant We did do that, movie. but Spider-Man No Way Home didn't exist at that point. <laughs> but yeah, well, we've already done that. But you can add it in. You can put it back on your list. Well, it was botched, but enough about Fred's uh, colonoscopy. Could you die? <laughs> Listen, this movie, I have a feeling, I'm not going to compare it to the Sam Raimi. They're different empties, empties. They're different empties, which is also what Fred's colonoscopy <laughs> doctor said. They're different entities. And um, I'm not going to fault this movie for something it isn't. But what it is, is quite good. And mm. the two of them have lovely chemistry. <laughs> yes, they do. Emma they Stone, do. is a, she's a winner. She's a winner in this life. I'm jealous of her. She's wonderful. <laughs> she's jealous for her beauty. She's excellent in it. And they have great chemistry. Um, I don't know. I don't need an or, another origin story. I know how he gets. I don't like that he has to make his own webbing. Boo. I love that they riff on that in the third Tom Holland one. That's very fun. But long story short, what's not to like? Take it away. Well, I'll tell you, Dan, I know what Jason feels about it. You've got to be fucking kidding. And I was expecting to be more on the Jason side of this. And I think I'm more, I'm more on your side with this. I, I did not see it either. And I think I'm only on your side with it, maybe because of the time that I took to see it. I never saw it. I remember, I remember seeing the social network and walking out of there and being like, they just, they fucking got a good Peter Parker on their hands because they had announced ah, that it was shortly afterwards that he was going to be doing it. I was like, because I thought he was amazing in that and I'd never heard of him. Did you see yeah. him as Biff on Broadway? No, I heard he was wonderful. Wonderful. I heard he was wonderful. wonderful. He's a and, wonderful and Biff. He's, he's, he's a great actor. He's an incredible Terrific. actor. He's, we talked about it. I think it was, we actually cut it from the last episode along with my colonoscopy <laughs> story. We talked about him in Tick, Tick, Boom and like, He's just, he's, he's Which is wonderful. the title of your com- upcoming colonoscopy. <laughs> oh, no. oh no. Oh no. Oh no. I can't speak. But he's, he's no. wonderful. So I was really, really excited that he was going to be taking over. And then when the movie came out, I swear, like, I just completely lost interest. As I had did no, I. It, I was, it was like, the weirdest on, thing. And I don't know why yeah. I... Had no interest in seeing it. And then I it was just like. I prejudged it. Yeah. It, it was time went on. And I guess I heard 
maybe some mixings and it just went its way. And I never, all these years, I was like, eh, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. Even though I knew there were rumors that he was going to be in uh, No Way Home. Mm. I was like, I don't need to see it. I saw No Way Home. I agree with you, Dan. It's amazing. And he was, I mean. Oh, I think so you we, saw and, No Way Home before this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still haven't seen The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, so you didn't even know what they're talking about in No Way, like when he no, says No, no, I know it. I know it happens. I, I know what oh, happens in okay, Amazing Spider-Man okay. 2. And I know, also just from the comics, I know the story, what happens with Gwen Stacy. So. Oh, it's right from the comic? Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So. Anyway, all that being said, this movie started and I really was expecting to be like, boo, 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 boo. I don't, I didn't love it, um, but I didn't hate it. I thought it was good. I thought, I agree with you. I think for what it was, uh, yeah, I I didn't need another origin story. Um, That being said, there were some cool things I liked. It was sort of cool to see how he ends up with Uncle Ben and Aunt, and Aunt May. I was going to, I almost said it with Aunt Beru. Um, <laughs> you know, that was a nice crossover. Suddenly he's drinking the blue milk. I was just um, going to say, she was putting something blue in her stew yeah. that she was making, Sally Field. Uh, I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. I know everyone, the big complaint is like, he's like the edgy, angsty Peter Parker. And, you know, like he's it. got the, he's got the skateboard. And, you know, maybe... Because I have a 15-year-old now who I see is struggling with so much repressed anger. Mm-hmm. And I remember that as a kid at that age. Mm-hmm. I I sort of, I like that. I, I, I sort of liked what he was dealing with. I liked that it was a Spider-Man. He doesn't know his own strength. You know, he's just constantly slamming things and things are breaking. Um, yeah, I like that too. I Yeah, and I agree. He had really good chemistry with Emma Stone. But, but again, I, I was back and forth because on one hand... I was uh, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I need to see him learning how to become spy. You know, Tobey Maguire in the Sam Raimi movies, that, that has done so well. Him figuring out his powers and using them. When he's jumping around, yeah. When we get to Tom Holland, they do the MCU does the smart thing and just skips that completely, which is Correct. great. This I didn't need to see. And at times I was like, oh, I don't want to watch him on the skateboard. I don't need him. I don't care about him skateboarding. But <laughs> I'd Sort of watching him fly with the chains. I'm going, okay. You know, it made me think, actually, it was almost more, um, you know, I'm a huge Daredevil fan. It almost reminded mm-hmm. me a bit more of Daredevil. With sort of, mm-hmm. There was a very, like, Spidey was, there was a lot of vigilantism in this, you know. Uh, yes. And he was sort of a dick, you know. He was really, like, living out this revenge fantasy, this, like I said, that, that violent anger. That's part of what I really loved about this is he really has to learn how not to be a jerk and how not to be abusive with his powers. I really like that. I really like that about this. You know, in the future, if you're going to steal cars, don't dress like a car thief, man. What are you? You a cop? Really? You seriously think I'm a cop? Cop in a skin tight red and blue suit. You know, you're, 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 you've got a mind. Of the true scholarship. I, I was going more for the guy. Good thinking, good thinking. Use the window. Get out the window. There you go, you got it. What an asshole. Just let me go. Is that a knife? Is that a okay. real knife? Yes, it's a real knife. My weakness. It's small knives. Just let me go. Anything but knives! Oh, it's so simple. That was webbing that I developed myself. I don't think you really want to know. Come right on, now. let me go! What an asshole! What the, what the, what the, what the, Knock it off, man! 
Faces that Jason's making—it's the faces that my doctor said when he was trying to get the, the camera up there and not seeing anything. I, I just then when he finally becomes, you know, Spider-Man, and he's got like all yes. the witty spider banter during the fight. That I didn't think was really earned because that wasn't there before. Uh, so it was—it was a weird jump. That's a little weird, yeah. Yeah, but I. Again, I don't really have much of an urge to see The Amazing Spider-Man 2 still. I don't know if I would ever revisit this, but I remember saying... See it. See it? Okay. Yeah. I'll see it. it. I'll check it out. I I think think Amazing Spider-Man 2 is better than this. Mm. I think think the the argument for Andrew Garfield being a potentially great Spider-Man is in no way home. He's very different in no way home than he is in either of these. I loved him in that. So much so that I went and I bought, I, I, you know me, I own all of these things. I, I disliked Amazing Spider-Man so much and was so meh on Amazing Spider-Man 2. I don't own those movies or I didn't own those movies until after No Way Home. And then I was like, well, I got to have them now because Andrew Garfield's so great in No Way Home. And I thought, oh, I'm going to watch these again. And I I watched this one again now for the first time since seeing it probably in the movie theater in 2012. I saw it twice in the theater. I saw it when it, on opening night and then like the same way I saw Avengers multiple times. Gabra, our friend Gabra Zachman, was working at Hudson Valley with me. She wanted to go. It was like 4th of July. She wanted to go to a movie. We went. So I did see it twice. I remembered, I'd say about half of this I didn't remember. Um, and I thought, I sat down, I was like, maybe I'm going to like it because now I'm more of a fan of Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I really, it really did not work for me. And maybe, you know, and, and I, you guys hadn't seen it before. So now with so much time removed from the initial release, that's, that, that's got to factor into some degree. But, you know, when I saw it, it was, yeah, it was like five years after they stopped making Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. Too soon, and yeah. They were in process on a Spider-Man 4 with Sam Raimi that was supposed yeah. to come out in 2011. Oh, and then they kind of wow. said, all right, they were basically developing two movies at once to see which one was farther along. And that's what they were going to go with. And Sam Raimi wow. was like, I need more time for the script. And they were like, goodbye. Let's get, we, can, we, we <laughs> can't risk losing the rights. So we're going to reboot. Wow. It's an unenviable position to be in. It's an unenviable task for the the filmmaker, I believe it's Mark Webb. Mark uh-huh. Webb, yeah. No pun he did, intended. He did 500 um, Days of Summer, which is a great movie. Right. Um. So he did these two amazing Spider-Man movies. He is He's not the director Sam Raimi is. He's not the visual stylist Sam he's Raimi is. Stylist, That's all well no. He's not the stylist. And let's face it, the Sam Raimi ones were very bright and colorful and in the... In the midst of those movies, then Christopher Nolan has Batman Begins, and then The Dark Knight comes out right after Spider-Man 3, and now we're into dark and gritty, dark and gritty, and it's what the DC universe winds up doing to a fault with Man of Steel and other things, and Mm -hmm. this Spider-Man is clearly a product of that. It's all about where it falls on the timeline. It's all about how how are you tasked with rebooting this right after it's been done and done very successfully, and you have to hit certain story beats, so you're going to... You're going to wind up looking like you're just treading the same ground in a lot of regards. But by the same token, everything you do that is away from that 
since the Sam Raimi ones were so faithful to the comic books, feels wrong because it is a departure that has nothing to do with anything and doesn't feel like the character. So this movie really has a hard time with with me because it, it kind of can't win with me. Um, and I'm not saying it's because necessarily because of my baggage, because I also look at it and I want to look at it fresh. And I'm like, Andrew Garfield's a great actor. This isn't Spider-Man. I don't like this guy. I don't like him as Spider-Man. I don't like him as Peter. You want Park. him to be having more fun? I think he's enjoying acting very much. I think he's enjoying <laughs> the James Deanness of what he's doing. This tort this tortured angsty thing is doesn't work for me. It's different, so I'll give it that. It's different. And so you can give it credit for being different, but you know, different for the sake of See, I different. I feel like it was going all that far in that direction. I felt it was very far in that direction. Really? I felt he was he was he was cruel when he was with the, you know, like with the, um, he, he was, I guess this is what teenagers do. So the fact that he's nasty sometimes with his aunt and uncle, it's like, that's all part of his angst. And this thing about the, the unresolved stuff with the parents that they've built in again, it's all like MacGuffins. None of that pays off. It doesn't pay off in amazing Spider-Man too. They probably want it to pay off. Nothing pays off with them. What that, pays off with them? There's so much. Well, not to give anything away, but that whole story gets like, like the whole thing of like who he, what he was hiding, and what he was. But what does that have to do? I mean, the 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 joy of Spider-Man is it's just a kid, a kid who's You're put right. in an incredible situation. All these mechanics to say that this yes. is his destiny because his father was working on spiders. It seems like a, it's like a joke. It, it feels like a joke. That, it's like that if Bruce Wayne's father was a bat scientist, and it's then that somehow, like you know. It's like, yes. it's not necessary. I feel that that's. It is weak that he is a sciencey kid and he goes to New York science or Bronx science or whatever, or Queen science. And, and, and he's just, he's supposed to be just regular, regular kid who likes taking photographs, I right? I didn't get well, that. Well, no, he's a scientist. In, in, but in I didn't the get sa- any of that from this movie. There's nothing in this movie that that's, that was a problem that I had that set him up. To be like a science nerd. When he was a science nerd, he was a science nerd. When he was like suddenly like, I'm going to make webs. It didn't take away from me, but I just thought I wasn't getting that from this kid before. Before it was a kid who took photos, which, okay, we know that's what he does when he in the comic books. To me, it was it was a shy kid who skateboards and takes photos. But there was nothing until you actually see him in his room Doing making the, 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 the spider shooter. There was no indication that. He was interested in science. If you're going to make him a science geek, then make him a science geek from the beginning. Make uh, that's agreed. the thing why Flash is beating him up, or you know, like why he's sort of, you know, and and and, and even Emma Stone too. That the first portion of the movie, I think, didn't work for me. Once it got going, I started to 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 live in it a bit more and go with it and say, okay. And I mean, you, you know, you're right, Jason. I think. Exactly what you said. They had to go that direction. They had to go this direction to make it a darker, you know, with the, with the movies. They needed to make a, rig, a big departure from what the Sam Raimi, Tommy McGuire's ones were. I think it was also a lot of this they were taking from the Ultimates, which we'll get to also when we talk about because that plays into the Avengers. You know about the Ultimates, Dan? I don't even know what what you're talking about. The Ultimates <laughs> was a comic shoot off that Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, and again, we can talk about more of this when we get to the Avengers, but Brian Michael Bendis is basically the, even in many ways more than Kevin Feige, 
I think, the architect of what the MCU is. He was uh, an independent comic book writer. He came into the MCU with Daredevil. He had a very celebrated Daredevil run, um, which was amazing. And he created, he took over the Avengers. Uh, when, when you say and, independent, you mean he's not part of, he wasn't... He was a Marvel or DC guy for a long time. He's writing his own independent comics. He got into Marvel. Uh, I think Daredevil was his first one. But then he was basically given the keys to the kingdom. And pretty Mm. much all the storylines that we have, like Civil War, Secret Wars, like all the stories that the MCU was taking from, more or less, not the Infinity stuff, but more or less come from what Brian Michael Bendis did, starting with Avengers Disassembled. And then he also created his offshoot. Yeah, there was a there was a comic that he oh when he took God. over the Avengers. But anyway, he started an offshoot. I think it was he who started it called The Ultimates, which was basically all of the Marvel titles but like alternate versions. So, The Fantastic 4, but they're much younger. He created Miles Morales and that was in The Ultimates version. And eventually The Ultimate Universe and the regular Marvel whatever what is it 616 universe mm-hmm they come together. So now you can get all these characters playing together. But my point being the ultimate version of Spider-Man, which is basically, it's the same origin stories, but it was, if I remember slightly darker and slightly edgier. So they might've been, I know I'm blowing, I'm blowing your mind with this, Dan, right? Not really. So this is this all nerd all stuff. Reb- First two questions. Is this a, is he rebooting that? And second of all, if you have to have a second colonoscopy, is that rebooting? Good night. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, my next colonoscopy is basically the ultimate version. It's the ultimate colonoscopy. <laughs> oh, the first one was was six six the six sixteen universe. Six six. The next one is yeah. It's because okay. it is the number of the beast. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I can't speak. Okay, my colon is. Back to, Back the, to movie. the movie. I think you're exactly right, Jason. This movie and the series is a product of what was going on and how do we make this different? And then realizing, okay, that was an interesting uh, exercise. We need, we need the original version of Peter, Par- Peter Parker, which is the nice, bright, witty, you know, fun, which and that we get in the MCU. I think he's, here are the things that are good. Emma Stone's great. She's yes. wonderful. Their chemistry is wonderful. Andrew Garfield is a wonderful actor, but I don't think he's playing the role of Peter Parker or Spider-Man. But the I writing Martin Sheen that way too. Yeah, but he but he leans in. What Martin Sheen, I liked a lot. I yes, actually, Martin Sheen was great. And I remember initially when I saw it being like, ah, you know, all this retreading this ground with the, you know, the, the Tom Holland ones don't do that. And that's great. And Marvel was very careful about all that. I think, I thought Martin Sheen was lovely in this. And, yes. uh, I, d- I didn't like Sally Field as much. Well, she was she wasted. She didn't work for me. She, doesn't, she was wasted. In, in yeah, it. in both movies. I, I feel like Rosemary Harris and Marissa Tomei are, are both uh, on the, these vast extremes of Aunt Mayness, but I love them both for very different reasons. Um, and so it's not, it's not a traditionalist view because Marissa Tomei is so not what we expect from Aunt May. But yeah, Sally Field didn't register. Martin Sheen was lovely. He and, he and Andrew Garfield had good chemistry. You're a lot like your father. You really are, Peter, and that's a good thing. But your father lived by a philosophy, a principle, really. He believed that, that if you could do good things for other people, you had a moral obligation to do those things. That's what's at stake here. Not choice, responsibility. That's nice. That's, that's great. It's all well and good, so where is he? What? Where is he? Where's my dad? 
He didn't think it was his responsibility to be here to tell me this himself. Oh, come on. How dare you? How dare I? How dare you? The only things I really liked about this movie were some of the acting and, and a good bit of the chemistry. I thought Risi Fons was very a very bland presence in the film. I thought the lizard looked terrible. I thought it the CGI weird. was right. terrible. Yeah. All that action stuff was terrible. I'm going to turn New York into lizards? Terrible. Spider-Man's costume? Terrible. It looks <laughs> terrible, and it's why, for no reason at all, never explained in the second movie... They, he wears a costume that looks just like Tobey Maguire's. You know why? Because that's what Spider-Man looks like. This costume, it's a totally different costume in the second film. Oh and there's no God. And there's no evidence of like, wow. oh, like, there's not even a moment like in the Dark Knight movies where they say like, we're going to make an adjustment to the costume so you can move your head or like give them different equipment or something. They it was just, it. they just do it because it looks, it's dark, it's grimy, it's ugly. It looks like a basketball. It's very unappealing. It's unappealing. I find this whole movie dark and unappealing and kind of boring and kind of <gasps> ugly. I think the music's bad. I think I, I kind of can't get on board with anything except wow. some of the acting. And and that and I do. I, what about I, your I, pal Dennis I will say Leary? that it's your best. Your, 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 you know, I just like him, but he's. I actually think he's fine in this. And I liked I, uh, him. I thought the scene between the two of them I, at the dinner table good. was great. That was good I thought scene. that was a really nice scene. It's a good character for him. He's yeah. he's good. In yes. it. he's good in it. Mr. Parker, why are you not in school? Got a free track. Okay. Well, I do not have a free track, so make your point quickly. Okay, fine. There, there may not be a dinosaur running around Manhattan, but there is something more dangerous, and I know who it is. You know who it is? Dr. Curtis Connors of Oscorp. That's right. Okay, Dr. Curtis Connors, who's also my daughter's mentor. Is that who you're talking about? That's the one. Okay. You know, recently Dr. Connors gave Gwen a glowing college recommendation. It was beautiful. When I read it, I cried. But you would have me believe that he, in his spare time, is running around dressed up like a giant dinosaur. Not dressing up and not a dinosaur. He has transformed himself into a giant lizard. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it just, it's, it's funny. Like I said, it, it, it kind of can't win with me because I don't like the departures. And then when it does redo beats from the Sam Raimi. It's so conscious of like, I don't want to do it the same way yeah. that they do it in a, in a way that is not as emotionally affecting, you know? Mm. I mean, even to the point where they're like, we want to give him the inspiration for his costume from a wrestler's uniform, but we don't want to redo the wrestling thing. So we'll just have him just fall into a yeah, wrestling ring odd. and see a yeah. poster. It's that like, felt like just, something was cut there. Yeah. It's just, they're just trying to, and again, I, I will acknowledge it's an unenviable position for all these people to be in. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody could have necessarily done it better. So hot on the heels of the Sam Raimi movies. So that's all legit. But I, I just, yeah, it just didn't click for me. And I had hopes that it would this time because I do now in retrospect, I do like amazing Spider-Man two more than this. I think it's more, I think it's more colorful. I think it's more, it's also very sad, very, very sad. And I Mm. found it affecting. And that movie gets a lot more shit than this one. Really? That one is, Oh yes. That one is, yes. That was was considered to be the worst one. Yeah. It's considered to be the worst one. In my opinion, this is the worst Spider-Man movie. I don't like this one. Um, yeah, it falls below the other amazing Spider-Man, it falls below Spider-Man three for me. It just doesn't give me any of the, the feels of a Spider-Man movie. You like Spider-Man three better than this. Oh yeah. Yes. And that's an unpopular, that's not a, you know, I mean, this movie isn't beloved or anything, but I think most people would 
place this above above Spider-Man three definitely. But yeah, I, don't I don't know if I, I would do. I, I don't know. I remember rewatching Spider Man three and and enjoying it more than I I thought I was going to. But I mm. I I don't know. I'm I, like I said. I'm more with you, Dan. I didn't. I really was expecting to hate this. And uh, <laughs> me too. Uh, I I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was just pretty good. Again, I'm not drawn to it. It didn't, I will say, I mean, it got me. There were a few moments, like, I thought that kid on the bridge was going to fall. Absolutely. Yeah. It was unpredictable. And I, and I, I, again, I, I enjoyed at times the angry, the angry Peter Parker. It was, it's just different. It's not to me. I kept going, that's Daredevil. Like even in the comics, Daredevil, Matt Murdock's always like the angsty guy. And it's always Spider-Man is always like, come on, stop being, you know, cheer up a little bit. Cheer up, cheer up. I'd give it a seven. I'm going to go 7.75. I'm not sure okay. why I'm not going to an eight, but I really enjoyed it. And that Emma Stone, I just, I, God, she's just, what else has she been in? Has Obvious seen anything oh else God. she's been in? She's <laughs> You're in The Help. Crazy. I've seen The Help. What you, else? You're kidding, Super right? Bad. She's you're in kidding, Bird right? Man, the La La Land. I couldn't make it through La La, but what? I enjoyed oh, I love, Bird, La La Love that movie. Uh, we, Taylor and I made it through. We, we, when they started oh, getting do- out of their cars, I was like, all right. Nah, <gasps> What's wrong? That's, that's, that's the beginning. Movie. Yeah, we didn't make <laughs> so it past that. We good. didn't make it out of the opening <laughs> number. We went, this is what this is. Boof. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Emma Stone is a wonderful actor. I know it's she's not beautiful. a popular she's great. opinion. Yeah, she, it's not a popular sentiment no, she's at all. wonderful. Nobody loves it. She's great. She's and the guy excellent. Who, speaking of botched, the guy who botched the, uh, the, guy who botched the um, Oscars, alleged, you know this, allegedly, because he yeah. was looking, he was distracted by Emma Stone because he was looking at Emma Stone. <laughs> Oh, who the person who gave the wrong envelope to gave Faye Dunaway? Envelope to Ron Beatty, Faye Dunaway. Oh like, yeah, yeah, here, this is the envelope because he was too worried about Emma Stone. Can I just make a quick? I, I, this blew me away. I was like, what? who was that dad on the bridge? That was C. Thomas C. Howell. C. Thomas Howell. Shout out to C. Thomas Howell. That's he right. did a great Little job. Cameo. Yep, that's right. And there's another actor I really liked in this that I want to mention uh, is an Indian actor. Oh, he was oh he's wonderful. great. He just Ir- passed Irfan. away recently. He passed away. Yeah. He's so what? good. He's such a huge star. Irfan Khan. He's yeah. also in Jurassic World. He has a great part in Jurassic uh, World. He's he's so charismatic. He's so great. Yeah. And and so uh, and so wonderfully subtle. He was great. He's so subtle. He was great. Yeah. And that's another thing I don't like. I don't like that everything that like everything's tied together. Like, oh, you know, Gwen works for the doctor who becomes a lizard, who was your father's best friend. And they all work for Norman Osborn, who's got and I know that's comic booky, but I think even that strains the, 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 the coincidences and the, the connections there. I, I was like, does everybody the, the, the six main people in the film all happen to know each other in different ways. Boo. Uh, three. This is a three. Oh, wow. I can't recommend it. I, the only thing I liked was a That's little bit of the low. acting. It's very low. Very I can't Jesus, get this, behind it. This movie is like the bane of your existence. Oh. <laughs> Look at that. Look how, how, how delicately 
he just, it's just a, it's like a souffle of a segue. It's just so light I'm, and I'm airy. glad he got it in there because I was going to make another colonoscopy joke when you said I can't get behind it. But go <laughs> ahead. Dan's making sure that your colonoscopy is, whether you're, you're have, you have bad feelings about the fact that it got cut last time, but it is... It is all over this. Your That's what my doctor is- said about her camera. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Your punishment must be more severe. The Dark Knight Rises. Do you think he's coming back? I don't know. Why would you run, eh? You should be as afraid of him as I am. I won't bury you. I've buried enough members of the Wayne family. You don't owe these people anymore. You've given them everything. Not everything. Not yet. It's been eight years since Batman, played by Christian Bale, in collusion with Commissioner Gordon, played by Gary Oldman, vanished into the night. Assuming responsibility for the death of Harvey Dent, Batman sacrificed everything for what he and Gordon hoped would be the greater good. However, the arrival of a cunning cat burglar, played by Anne Hathaway, and a merciless terrorist named Bane, played by Tom Hardy, force Batman out of exile and into a battle he may not be able to win. Failing to meet the most robust box office predictions in the wake of the tragic movie theater shooting in Aurora, Colorado on the night of its premiere, The Dark Knight Rises still took in $160 million over its opening weekend on its way to a $448 million domestic haul and worldwide earnings of over $1,081,000,000, making it still, to this day, the most financially successful of all Batman films. Critical reaction was also favorable, and the American Film Institute named The Dark Knight Rises one of the top 10 films of 2012. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of The Dark Knight Rises? I love it. I think it's a fantastic movie. I have a really, I have fond memories of seeing it when it first opened because I saw it uh, on my birthday. And it, <gasps> when, when did it come out? When was the release date for this July again? 20th. Of okay, so uh, I saw it. So, so my birthday is July 31st. So I took a little while to see it. And I think I was waiting. It was also hard because we had kids and just finding the schedule. But I remember it was a glorious day. And I remember it uh, so fondly. Kay said, what do you want to do on your birthday? And, and so uh, it, it, was a, it was a wonderful nerdy day. I was speaking about Daredevil earlier. And so I had ordered... Like I said, Brian Michael Bendis did this amazing run of Daredevil and it was taken over by Ed Brubaker and I had ordered the next volume, the first Ed Brubaker volume of Daredevil and they had just gotten it into Forbidden Planet. So I was like, great, I want to go down to Forbidden Planet, pick up my new Daredevil, hmm. get some other comics, then we'll go to 14th Street, Union Square, we'll see The Dark Knight Rises and then we'll go to Katz's. And I'm like, oh. perfect day. And it was a beautiful oh. summer day. Uh, it was great. It was wonderful. We went. What did you get a Katz's? What did you get? Uh, pastrami. What else are you going to get? I probably what else got are you going to get? A you get the pastrami and the corned beef. I get the no, both. No, 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 no. Who, you know, no, pastrami. Just the pastrami. Pastrami yeah, and the corned that's beef. That's it. You, you, know, you don't need to mix it. You little column B. What the fuck are you talking about? Loved it. <laughs> then I, hadn't, I hadn't seen it in a Damn. long time because I think it was sort of overshadowed in my mind by the Dark Knight. And then- sure. 
I watched it a couple years ago with my son Ben, and we're like, this is fucking great. This still holds up. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Might mm. like it even more than The Dark Knight. I don't know. Then I rewatched it again earlier ding, today. Ding, ding, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if I do. Uh, I think oh, they're both sure. great. Uh, and it's, you know, Nolan is just a fucking great director. He's got such a he's sense masterful. of- his. He's masterful. We talked about this when we talked about The Dark Knight. He's just got, there's always a sense of motion in his filmmaking. There's always movement, even in the cuts, like some of the jump cuts. You know, there's a great- He's he's with Bruce Wayne is with um, uh, uh, Marion Cotillard. Mar- oh, yes, uh, 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 Miranda know, Tate is what they call her. Yeah, Miranda Tate, yeah. right, right, right. And then you find out that her real name is Talia. But they, you know, they they, you know, they meet, they kiss. It cuts to them afterwards in bed. Then it's like him. Wake, it cuts him waking up. He uh, getting up. He's looking at. The, mm-hmm. the Batman costume, you see it for a second and then suddenly he's on top of a tower. And just mm-hmm. the way it's all cut together with the music and the camera movement, it just moves. And man, I remember thinking this when I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this movie came out around the same time about uh, with like Occupy Wall Street when yeah, that was going I, I, on. The crazy thing is right. it was filmed and then Occupy Wall Street Oh, happened, okay. Which is crazy because it was so like in the zeitgeist of like yeah, what was happening politically. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's wow. amazing. Wow. But man, he really gets a feeling. He really get there. The, the, the whole movie, but especially, I'll tell you the last 40 minutes, it's just, it just fucking moves like gangbusters. And there's just such a sense of impending doom and darkness. <sighs> yes. And Bane is, he's, he's like, He's like Jason Voorhees, but <laughs> super smart, you know? Like, he's <laughs> yeah. a monster. He's really, he's fucking terrifying. Oh, you think darkness is your ally? You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man, but then it was nothing to me but blinding. The shadows betray you because they belong to me. That fight between the two of them underground is there's no music, it's just the sound of the water and and breaking. The sound design in this movie, when he peels the mask off, you can hear in silence, you can hear like this wet kind of cracking and peeling of the mask away. That scene is is brutal but man tom hardy plays the shit out of bane and you know i i the 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 choices he makes with his with his 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 voice and here's something Mm -hmm. nuts about that i'm always reminded about tom hardy the guy loves a good mask he no one acts better behind a good mask i mean this (laughs) fury road even dunkirk i'm thinking in dunkirk Mm, he's a fighter pilot he's wearing Mm -hmm. a goddamn mask the whole time We yeah, I think so Christopher Nolan said he had to like really, you know, you'd have to sit down with somebody and say, are you okay being behind, like having your visage behind a yeah. mask for this much of the movie? Because a lot of stars would be like, no right. thanks, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. No, they're um, great. I love the, and you know, you, you mentioned this when we did our superhero movies 
uh, whatever that was, episode 40, I think, you know, you brought 29, I think. Oh, 29, 29, 40, whatever it was. But you, you know, you, you said that during these, the for keeps episode, how good Tom Hardy would have been. <laughs> no, in you the were Randall mentioning cough role. how these all go together. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they just go to, this was your number one and they really do. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful arc to it. And, uh, you know, what Christian Bale is doing is, is it's, it's great to see his arc in it. Michael Caine is heartbreaking in it. I mean, just oh fucking God. gorgeous. Incredible. Uh, Anne Hathaway's so goddamn good. I don't understand the hatred. Like a lot of people throw I, I, shit I, I, her way. Yeah. They're just jealous because she's fucking great. I, I think that's true. I think there's I, a lot of jealousy with yeah, Anne Hathaway. She's great. She's, she's a great actress. So and talented. you know what? And guess what? Unpopular opinion. Suck it up, folks. She was great in Les Mis. She was fucking great in Les Mis. Yes. You know what? She's great in everything. Uh, she's really good. I love her. Man, her her switches with this character. Yes, wonderful. Uh, you know, go, just going back and forth from, you know, the playing, the, playing the characters that she plays. That's right. Yes. They're, they're wonderful. Yeah, Catwoman's um, an actor. It's great. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm so terribly sorry, Mr. Wayne. It is Mr. Wayne, isn't it? Although you don't have the long nails or the, the, the facial scars, sir. What would they say about me? It's just that no, no one ever sees you. That's a beautiful necklace. Reminds me of one that belonged to my mother. It can't be the same one. Because her pearls are in this safe. The manufacturer clearly explained is uncrackable. Oops. Nobody told me it was uncrackable. I'm afraid I can't let you take those. Look, you wouldn't beat up a woman any more than I would beat up a cripple. Of course, sometimes exceptions have to be made. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is incredible and inspired. And like I said, the last, the last 40 minutes, once like, you know, the, the big, uh, the, the, basically the riot starts and the big, you know, street fight, it mm-hmm. just, the, the street fight, uh, it uh, just became Alan Arkin there. Mm-hmm. There's a street fight going on. It's, Serpentine, Shelley, Serpentine. <laughs> it's just great. It never lets up. And God, the ending is just so it's perfect. It's perfect. The reveal of who, you know, mm-hmm. who he's going to be and who yeah, he I possibly forgot. is in terms I of the comic. Forgot. You know, the yeah. reveal when they mention the name Robin is that's amazing. It's a complete yeah. surprise to me. Again, if you if you know if you haven't seen the movie, sorry, I'm spoiling everything. But the twist at the end with who <sighs> the, the, very, dog, the who the, ch- the true child of Ra's al Ghul is. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was completely shocked. I was I forgot I forgot again about that. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. it was it totally yeah. fooled me again. I was like, oh my god, that's right. It's great. It's so well done. It's it's uh, Christopher Nolan just really he, he just he it's it's one of those few I don't know if there's any others. It's one of the few uh trilogies that really but yeah. are there can you think of any other trilogies that are just so strong from start to finish? I'm gonna tell you something. I'm Star Lord. 
I formed the Guardians. Met a girl, fell in love. That girl died, but then she came back. Um, uh, yub nub. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, yub, well, that, I, I don't. Who, who? Sha, I don't. Sha, 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 sha. <laughs> well, yes, I know. And we know how much you love Return of the Jedi. So that you know, a lot of people you. think it's it's that it doesn't round out the trilogy as satisfyingly as the promise of Empire leads one to expect. But that's uh, that's, you know, received wisdom. If about. Dark Knight Rises ended with Lando Calrissian clapping <laughs> to the non-beat <laughs> of... Yub nub, you've got my money. This deal is getting worse all the time. What did you think of it, Dan? Because you famously did not care for the Dark Knight, so I didn't know where you would land on this. The one thing I thought might bring this up in your estimation is that last time you were like, I don't know who to root for. I don't know who the protagonist is. And I think this film is very clearly Bruce Wayne's journey and uh, to some sort of kind of redemption or to peace. And uh, and I don't know, but I don't know if it reads that way to you or if he gets overshadowed. When I get the latkes at Katz's, I get <laughs> both the applesauce and the sour cream. And it's unpopular to mix them together, but I mix them together and spread them all over. What the fuck are you talking about? What does that about? got to do with anything? Fuck off. This is a great movie. Yeah. Yay. Uh, I pre- I do prefer it to the Dark Knight, and you know there there are great performances in in Dark Knight. There are great, and I like the first one. It's been a million years since I've seen the yeah, first one. I, I see that one again sense. now. But this is you know you said a mouthful there where, where you said Tom Hardy is doing vocally something so special in this. I mean it's so. I've never heard, I literally have never heard a performance like this yeah. in my life. It is, it is a vocal performance. Plus it's physical because he's using the whole body. Oh yeah. And the only thing you don't see is the nose and the mouth, but the eyes, oh my God, when he's looking at Marion Cotillard at the end yeah, and there's just so much, you know, I, it is, it's so rich what he's, it's like, he's saying, I did this for you. Look what I did for mm-hmm. you. There's so much love and longing and despair. And he's saying, I did it. It was all for you, my darling. You know, it was just, it's a beautiful performance. And he, you know, yes, you get, you know, a lot of these movies as well, you know, Hey, this villain, Dr. Octopus, uh, 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 Joker, whoever thinks they're saving the world. They're purifying, they're saving the world. They're doing the right Thanos, whoever. But this, you really believe it by the end, that Bane believes that this is going to be for the good. He's freeing everybody from the shackles of Wall Street and from everything else. And, and he's just, it's all for the good. And, and you know, this is, this is going to be the new society. And this is going to be how we, how we do things now. This great city, it will endure. Gotham will survive. No, okay. Now tell me, um, explain this. This is one thing I didn't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Bane, what is the upshot of the fact that the thing is going to blow up anyway? Why does Bane, Why is that good for the Bane, Marion Cotillard group? Why, that it's going to, that it's just going to go. It's going to go off. They want to destroy, well, go ahead. Yeah, Brian. but they want, I think it's because why they want to destroy. Earlier then. 
Because they want, they want Gotham Torture. to destroy themselves. It's torturous. He says that. He goes, you will die, you know, wh- wh- when I say so. I'll give you permission to die. They, they, I think, they want the people of Gotham to destroy themselves and then all be destroyed. They want, they want huh. th- them he to wants truly to see society collapse. just collapse and <laughs> rise up against each other and tear each other's throats out and just become the animals that they are. And then you know, burn it all. And then just burn it all. Yeah. But not before they're ready. So it's going to be, they could have blown it up at any point, but no, let's, you know, we want to see society burn for a while. Well, it's wonderful. Something really disturbing in Bane's character is that his, his definition of torture is hope. Is giving people right. hope. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, the, it's the climbing out of the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, yeah, we, like we've cut you. We've cut you off from the outside world, but now you can, you can, you can rule yourselves. You're going to be a true democracy. You can be. You know, you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. God, he says, Gotham will survive. He says, as yes. you see a shot of the bomb being loaded oh into God. that truck, and mm-hmm. you know that fucking bomb is going to go off no matter what happens. And he tells so Bruce Wayne gonna, the same thing. He's like, I want you to watch yeah. the entire arc of what happens. I want to torture you emotionally. With hope. With hope. <laughs> and wow. then and and torture and that everybody is tortured by hope who's in that pit because you can see the sky. You can see the sun. You can see the blue sky. And but you can't get out. Most people can't get out. So that go ahead, just Dan. having that go ahead, access. Go ahead. <laughs> it's like Fred's first Kowalski. Oh no. <laughs> he was tortured by hope. He was a hole that no one could get out of and no one wanted to. Oh God. And no one wanted to get near it. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. There's a storm coming, Mr. Wayne. The movie is made so well. Yeah. Like in so many regards, one thing I wanted to say about that, that pit that they climb up out of is when they cut from a shot of it and you, and you kind of feel like there's something, there's something familiar about this. There's something familiar about this looking up into the, the, the sunlight and whatnot. And then they, they juxtapose it yeah. and Bruce Wayne fails to, to make it out. And they juxtapose it immediately with the well that he fell in as a child that his father lifts him up from. And yeah, it looks great. the same. The design of the well looks oh, like just a micro wow. version of the it. giant pit. It's gorgeous. That's it's great. a beautiful visual touch. I, That's he's great. So, I mean, I said it last time. Christopher Nolan is not just a great filmmaker. He is a magician. He loves magic in his movies. He loves twists. He loves, I, I mean, you know, visual tricks like that great moment when Morgan Freeman brings Marion Cotillard into what looks like just this kind of office. And then mm-hmm. he hits a button and everything shifts and you realize you're going down into a subterranean layer, but it's like the floor starts moving, but it feels like something out of inception because it's been designed. So I found the, the little grace note in the production design of that scene is there's a folding table leaning up against a wall. And when the floor starts to go out, that table stays where it is against the wall. So it's, it's not a real table. The, the whole thing is constructed to be a visual Trick. Trick. Neat. A, a visual trick. Very but, cool. To the point where they even have this thing where they've glued a table to the wall so that nobody would ever suspect that this is a false floor that could go down. To, it's That's just, a, it's, it's brilliant. There's so many brilliant touches. I think the most, one of the most beautiful things 
in the movie is the ending. I, I mean, it just oh, yeah. it just reaches this crescendo and and it ends. You don't on think such a he's perfect, imagining it, Michael Caine? You think it's real? Not at no. all. And there's no, been a lot awesome. of discussion about awesome. that. And I'm so surprised that there is. Well, because I, I'm not know. really sure why they people they talk would think about it the was autopilot a, thing. Yeah, yeah, but they make reference that he fixed the autopilot. He fixed the autopilot. So yeah. you say that, but then it's also, I mean, and it's the also the, thing. the yeah. poetry of that too. I think people are like, well, what are the? Uh, I mean, people get so literal with please. this movie. Oh, no, they please. do. They're like, they're like, how? What are the odds that Bruce would know to go at that cafe at that time? I was like, you don't understand the fucking poetry of the film, and it's so brilliant because we see Alfred tell him, "I go to Florence every year. I sit mm. down at this cafe. I have a Ferne Branca, and I look at a table, and I think I'm going to see you there." And they show it. They show him in Italy. They show him looking at somebody, and it's Correct. not him. Mm. It, when you think about it in retrospect one should assume that's going to be the payoff to the movie. If you're thinking that way when you're watching it, you got to be like, why would they show us that if that's not how the movie's going to end? And then you completely fucking forget about it. You completely, because it's such a dense film with so many things going on, you forget that we saw that little thing with Alfred in Italy. And then when he's walking in that cafe at the end, you're like, oh my God, oh my God. Is it possible? Is it possible? And to me, the thing that makes it not a hallucination or whatever is, why would he, he's only seen a photograph of Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway's there in the foreground, like sitting at the table with Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and she's got imagine her. his mother's pearls right. on. He would never mm. imagine that. Right. That is that is the key. To me, that's the key. I never Unless thought he's in seen a million her in years. other movies. Now listen. Maybe. <laughs> the, no. no, but come on. I mean, everything about it is leading no, to right. that point that Batman has set it up so that he can finally leave. He's left his equipment to John Blake. He's left, you know, he's left a new bat signal on top of Gotham uh, Police Department for, for he Gary Oldman. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, it's all yeah. been done. He's set up. It's like somebody planning for the next Basically Batman. somebody planning for the planning for their the next Batman and planning for their retirement, planning for their death, planning for what I mean it is that's why people thought it was like and they led you down the primrose path. The marketing, everything was like, this is the end. It's the end of Batman's story. And like people were like, they're gonna kill him. They're gonna kill him at the end. And it's like, no, they wouldn't do that. And then you're but like, they do they in a way. Him. He they he do. does kill, but he also but Batman says Batman lives on and Bruce Wayne lives on as two yes, different entities. But he and it's tells beautiful. him because because he says to Joseph Gordon Levitt, he goes, It's a symbol. It wasn't meant to be, you know, a specific yeah. person. It's it's a symbol, it's an idea. We have 45 minutes to save this city. No, I've got 45 minutes to get clear of the blast radius because you don't stand a chance against these guys. With your help, I might. I'll open that tunnel, then I'm gone. There's more to you than that. Sorry to keep letting you down. Come with me. Save yourself. You don't owe these people anymore. You've given them everything. Not everything. Not yet. The one thing that I do remember thinking when I saw it in the theaters, and it doesn't bother me as much now, but I wish, I do wish they did something with it. And this goes to your complaint about Dark Knight and the voice, the voice that Christian Bale does. There's much less of it in this, thank God. But here's the thing. I always remember when I saw it at Union Square that when Anne Hathaway's character, when Selena 
Selena knows who Bruce Wayne, that Bruce Wayne is Batman. She figures that out, right? So mm-hmm. when In they, when he comes, right? But hold on. So when he comes back to the city, they meet, and he's doing the voice. And just because how Anne Hathaway plays Selena, it seems like a missed opportunity. I feel like there could have been a moment of. Why are you still speak? I know who you are, or something where you where it's him reconciling that he is Bruce Wayne and Batman, and they're two separate people. Or who? Yeah. Or does he want to? Does he want to let that go? I just feel like her not mentioning at all seems strange. The fact that like even when he's with someone that he knows, he can't drop it. I don't know how you do that without turning it into a comedic bit, but I feel like it, there was a missed opportunity there. That's the you only, know, the only you know fault I find with the movie. she gets it? Is it because she gets it? Yeah, maybe. Possibly, I, you know, but even but they even, then even get that in there to have something. I I don't know. I wanted I just moment. wanted a yeah. a bit of that <laughs> that I know who you are. I know what you're going through. I, I understand this. And that's you know part what's of great? it. He does do, but there's a one moment, and I think you're right, because he could, it, it should have been carried through. The most I like the voice in this movie, particularly, is when he's talking to Blake. After he saves Blake's life, he's come back at the end, and he's like, tomorrow it's going to mm-hmm. be all-out war. And he talks to him, and he's got just a hint of the voice. He's like, if you're working alone, wear a mask. I'm not afraid to be seen standing up to these guys. The mask's not for you. It's to protect the people you care about. And it felt like that bridge between the, where are you? You know, all of that and, <laughs> and just being himself. And it felt like a softening. But then, yes, but then when he's with the only other person who really knows it's him is Anne Hathaway. And then when mm-hmm. he's with her again, he's back in that voice. But when he's back in that voice, Gordon's around who doesn't know who he other I mean you can justify it different ways but I did I picked up on that too and I thought yeah it would be nice to see him with the people he trusts and he establishes trusts trust and he has actual teammates in this he's never had that really before in in this you know in these mm-hmm. films he's got it, it, that's kind of a beautiful thing about the movie too is that at the end it's like there's four heroes working simultaneously to yeah. to pull this plot. Five, if you count Five. Morgan Freeman, right? Yeah. So you got Morgan Freeman, you got Gary Oldman, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Anne Hathaway, and and they're great together. Anne Hathaway and Bale, I think they have terrific chemistry. I think it's oh, yeah. I think it's beautiful. Like I I think it's I think it's so interesting that they in the other films, he has a love interest who's not really a love interest. I mean, he has he has uh, K- Katie Holmes slash Maggie Gyllenhaal, but there's never even a kiss oh exchange between Holmes. them. He's always like a, a it's always like a it's the childhood, you know, infatuation. He he projects all of this stuff onto her. You know, he he's living his whole life now in the wake of her death this monastic life because he's like, I can never be happy because that person died, but he never even really had a relationship with that person. And then in this film, he's got two different women. And, and because you don't know Marion Cotillard is going to be a villain at the end. It really is a very interesting, there's an interesting energy in the film between two different women who you're like, because I remember seeing it the first time and I was like, well, he's clearly with Miranda. But I was like, God, I could kind of see him with Anne Hathaway, too. I could kind of see that being a thing. Well, at least he's uh, putting himself out there, for God's well, sake. Well, it's, well, there's that. But there's just it's just interesting to see those. He hasn't had that energy. He hasn't had sexual energy and flirtation in the films before this, you know, in, in the Christian Bale films. I think that's really, really interesting. And then it's so 
satisfying how they come together and how they kind of save each other and and they understand each other and that they both take the clean slate and they go and like you know start a new life together i think it's really beautiful i think giving him a happy ending is incredibly moving it's a big thing that i say in in my show in the dork night i talk a lot about how a lot of people don't like that they're like, Batman would never give up. Batman would never retire. And I'm like, you got to Christopher Nolan's trying to make paint a portrait of a human being, not 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 something that's going to be in character right. in comic books for another hundred years. No. He was, wants to, like, say, what is the arc of this? What's going to make for a healthy life for this human being? This is not healthy. What he's doing and the life he's living. It's not that's sustainable. It's that's not healthy. And that's what Alfred is saying and, to him. Right. That's what Alfred keeps yeah. saying. And the fact that he you actually gets that happy ending. If you're a fan of Batman, you should that's want him to retire. That's how I feel. You that's should how want I feel. him to go, Godspeed, God with, God with. Did they miss I, the part where they said, oh, you, Bane kicked your ass so hard, your spine's sticking out of your back. <laughs> it's <laughs> maybe time to retire. Right. And I just find it, I find it very, very moving. He finds a partner who matches him, challenges him. I who just trusts, love all Even of though he, and he should not really trust her sometimes. And he, and he, he just knows to trust her. It's great. And by trusting her, like for her being given that trust changes her as well. Like well, having somebody take that and chance her on redemption, her. Which is wonderful because yes. she comes back at the end and is like, I'm but that's ready. why I wanted that moment, a some sort of moment between them when he shows back up and he's doing the voice. I just thought it would have, it yeah, would have been lovely. It would have amplified it a bit more. I can get it out over the bay. Set it to fly out over the water, then eject. No autopilot. Gone anywhere, than anything, but you came back here. So did you. I guess we're both suckers. There's a tribute. I didn't know it was a tribute at the time. Apparently, a tribute to Heath Ledger in it because that overhead shot when they're revealing the Batman statue at the very end yeah. of the movie, and and uh, Oldman's there. If you look at it, it's an overhead shot. The statue's in the center. It's a nose. And seated, the, the seating around it is two eyes above and then a smile oh, below. Huh. So it's supposed to be like the Joker's what? face. It was just supposed to be a little grace note, oh just a, like his way of like giving the Joker a cameo in the film. That's another thing about the, the triumph of this movie, too, is yeah, that everything about the last one was Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger. You can't, how are you going to make another one without Heath Ledger? You're never going to top the one with Heath Ledger. And the truth is, not once. And and it also and it, it's and the movie does not shy away from tying in strands of the other two movies. It's not like it's saying, "Here's a whole brand new Batman adventure." Right, no. Don't think about the others. It's all dependent on what happened in the last Utterly, two movies. Yeah. And yet, I never thought about Heath Ledger watching it. I never yeah, thought about. I agree. It. The yet movie, another trick uh, he's playing on you. It's yeah. such a trick. It's like yeah. he's like saying, "I it has to stand on its own." Yes. Or I won't do it. I think is what Nolan was thinking. And it has to be it has to be about so much else and it has to be and what's happening has to compel you and draw you in so much that what happened before you're not missing it. You may in retrospect, then you might say like, well, I prefer Heath Ledger to Tom Hardy. I prefer this character to this character. But it's so different. And the thing is, Warner Brothers wanted it to be like they're like, so you'll do the Riddler in the next one. And he's like, no, 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 that's too close to the he's like, I want to do something that's completely not just not mention the Joker in this movie. 
but make the adversary completely different, like a total physical threat for him that operates on a, that amps up this, this whole idea of like an anarchist or a terrorist, like Heath Ledger was doing it on this scale and Tom Hardy's doing it on this scale. It's like a disaster movie. It's a war epic. It's like, it's it's like so, so much bigger than the other movies. And it doesn't collapse under its own weight. It's pretty. You no, know, another remarkable. thing I love is is is, uh, and you just made me think of this that because of the the moment of the um, statue, they're erecting a statue because now they know he's the savior or the one who tried to save the city. Prior mm-hmm. to the, the movie begins with he's the enemy. He's public enemy yeah. number one. In You're essence, right. you know how he that his what he actually did and what Harvey Dent didn't do that is revealed by Bane. To everybody. Bane <laughs> yeah. says, yes. Bane yes. reads that letter, thus saving Batman's reputation. It's brilliant. I, I only noticed that today, Dan. It's I was brilliant. watching, I was like, I was like, he's he's Batman's enemy, but he's he's, and, he's basically And Bane uh, keeps uh, his secret identity a secret. He doesn't tell Commissioner Gordon or anybody yeah, else right. that your bankrupt, your bankrupt Bruce Wayne is yeah, actually right. a Batman. Tells no one. Because it, it's, it's another way of destroying Gotham. He's right. saying the person that you thought was a hero. Yeah. No, not everything that you yeah. know, it's another form of that so torture yeah. of just tearing apart the seams of the it's fabric. So good. How many Sheila's? 8.75. Fantastic. I, I I sort of want to give it a ten, but I think I'm going to do good. nine point five. It's very, very no. I good. want to give it a ten. It feels like I'm a ten to me. A, I'm giving it a ten, I, I, as I did with the Dark Knight. I feel like the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises are yeah. separate but equal. Like like I know that people say like it can't be. You can't. Get, I think they're. And sometimes some days I feel like I like this one even better too. Like yeah. what you said before, Fred. It just is so satisfying. I was. And I've seen this many times, obviously, and it always moves me. Today, when I finished watch, I was weeping at the end. Like, and I was like, I've seen it so many times. The ending's not going to work on me. I mean, it just won't, not to the same degree. And it, I don't know what it was. It, it wasn't even in the same spot that it normally gets me. It like was early. And I was like crying through the whole last like three minutes of the movie or something. It just really... It's 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 fantastic. Like Fred's two colonoscopies, oh. they they're separate but equal. Separate, oh, you can't no. have one without the other. <laughs> Hopefully, the the latest one will be even better than the last. <laughs> Hopefully, there won't be need like, for a third. I told you this episode is going to be all about your colonoscopies. I told you it was just going to be it's going to be shot. Hopefully, through. the doctor won't be burdened by glorious poopness. Oh. <laughs> is that an Avengers segue? Yes. Well, I didn't. You didn't watch it very what closely. Does it mean? Yes, it's an Avengers. What's segment. Glory? Who's Glorious Poopus? Is that who? Uh, <laughs> is that? Is that who? Does, is that Glorious who? Glorious Poopus is, is not a character. That, who, that, was, that was a character from I Claudius, who, I think. Is that who? <laughs> oh, oh, here, watch this. Glorious Maximus Poopus. <laughs> Loki. He's burdened with glorious purpose. <laughs> Oh my God, Loki! He's a character oh. in the Avengers. Um, we might have to do this oh. in Avengers another time <laughs> because the the wife has to go to bed. And I'm sorry, I kept getting us off track. Oh, oh no. no! Oh no! Oh no! My world was made up of abuse. Okay, I'll whisper it. Okay, let's you try. whisper let's your try. review. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about. 
Marvel's the Avengers. <laughs> I don't like calling it Marvel's the Avengers. It's just the Avengers. You shut up, Ray Fine and Uma Thurman. You don't know what you're talking about. Your stupid movie from 1998 that nobody liked. Terrible. No Marvel's got to say, let's say it's Marvel's the Avengers so people will come. <laughs> the Avengers. You're here with the mission, sir? Trying to get me back in the world? Trying to save it. Doctor, we need you to come in. What if I say no? I'll persuade you. What are you asking me to do? It's called the Avengers Initiative. I thought I didn't qualify. Apparently I'm, what is it, volatile, self-obsessed, and don't play well with others. When the evil Asgardian god of mischief Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston, who Dan forgot was in the movie, gains access to the unlimited power of the energy cube called the Tesseract, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson, not Nick Nolte, Gene Shalit, or Al Pacino, initiates a superhero recruitment effort to defeat the unprecedented threat to Earth. Joining Fury's dream team are Iron Man, played by Robert Downey Jr., Captain America, played by Chris Evans, The Hulk, played by Mark Ruffalo, Loki's brother Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth, Black Widow, played by Scarlett Johansson, and Hawkeye, played by Jeremy Renner. The jewel in Marvel Studios' crown was handed to writer-director Joss Whedon, who, while touting a highly successful career on the small screen, had never helmed a hit film. The Avengers earned $207 million on its opening weekend against a budget of $200 million. It went on to earn $623.3 million in North America on its way to a worldwide total of $1.52 billion. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of the Avengers? I wasn't into, I didn't know that from the comics. I don't know anything about they all team up. They all get together. The closest thing I ever saw was, you know, Challenge of the Super Friends, which is the whole other thing. This is the closest thing to that, I suppose, for Marvel. I didn't have <laughs> comics growing up. I wasn't like you. The prob- the the only the only thing with this is um, that I can say that's even remotely. Cri- I love this movie. The only thing I can see this and say is remotely critical is. It, is Loki, is he, okay, so his whole thing, his whole thing is to unleash the Hulk, yeah? That's the whole only thing he wants to do on the aircraft carrier, yeah? In order to what? I mean, it feels like he wants, for for exactly the purpose. Because I love that scene know, where she's I like, mean, that's that your play. You're gonna, that's his play. He's going to, he intends to unleash Hulk. And I go, oh, that's awesome. But then for what, what is the... How does that help? How does that help Loki do his thing? Because it just it'll destroy everyone else. It destroys everyone else. It'll destroy that that aircraft. It will, which is exactly what happens. And and I think if I understand what you're saying, then I do get it. Is that part of the master plan? Is okay. Let me take care of anybody who could potentially stand in my way in one fell swoop. Then then go do my thing. Yeah, he right? knows that he he knows that his brother can kick his ass. He knows that Iron Man, that all these people are he's a god, but he's also smart enough to know that they're formidable foes. But if they unleash a Hulk, 
that destroys the helicarrier and rages out and destroys all these heroes. They're all dead. Boom, I'm done. I can't, I can't take out my brother. I can take out my brother by smarts. You know, he, he's like Scar and Mufasa. He knows that he can't do it by might, but he can do it by smarts yeah. and he can trick him. But if I can get this rage monster to destroy him, boom, hands clean, I'm done. I can go about ruling, you know, this, this world. And like does this, he already like, know about like, the Avengers when he shows up on Earth? Loki? Uh, I guess that, he knows because he probes uh, Hawkeye's mind. He That's probably yeah. when he figures it out. Right then That's and there. A he question. does a, like a vocal know. mind meld in essence of Hawkeye. Because he good. says the thing That's about, you point. ever had anybody get inside your brain and mess around in there? So he must know that. And, he, and that becomes the strategery yeah. of Loki at that moment, probably. I just find it fascinating the layers of this. You know, every time I've seen this more than any of the other ones, like I said. And so there's, there's always something new that I'm finding uh, in it. And I just like the way that it's, that it's, um, uh, it's, it's like a puzzle, you know what I mean? It's like a puzzle, mm -hmm. puzzle that is, uh, that they really brilliantly put together. I love all of the little ancillary carrier characters in this. I love um, the, the other mm -hmm. agent. She's Colson. Oh, well, I uh, love him too. He's wonderful. Maria Hill. And yes, and Agent Hill, they're wonderful in this. And I always forget about them. Yeah, yeah. they're terrific. And he does, Coulson's he doesn't die. So he lives, great. right? Yeah. Well, they bring him back for he the, makes for the Agents of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. Yeah. He lives for the purposes oh, really? of, but he never comes back in any of the films oh. and nobody ever talks about him again in the films. Only on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is connected to the Marvel Universe. Yeah, but it's it. funny, I don't watch Agents of <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D., so in my, you know, in my mind, in the, in the, in the rest of the infinity saga or whatever, you know, whatever we call the rest of the Marvel films after this, he's not there. I know he comes back in, in agents of shield, but the fact that he never is introduced into any of Nick Fury's stuff in the other movies makes me say like, well, maybe they just want that to be its own thing. Like, I don't think of him as being alive and accessible for them to use because I feel like he would have been at. Spoiler alert, Tony Stark's funeral at the end of Endgame or something. Now, if, here's something interesting. I, I was talking about the Ultimates earlier in Brian, uh, the series that Brian Michael Bendis started. And, I, and I, I'm not sure how much this is apocryphal, but in, in terms of talking about the agents, you know, Colson and Maria Hill, and of course, the head agent is Nick Fury. In the original comics, Nick Fury was, you know, an older white dude. And in the the Ultimate Universe, my understanding is the Nick Fury in that, in the Ultimates, which a lot of these, how these characters are played in the movies, the ideas of them come more from the Ultimates version, uh, I believe. But in the Ultimates, they made Nick Fury look like Samuel mm -hmm. Jackson. And I think they even make reference. And I think cool. my understanding is they just thought it would be cool. Like, why don't we make, let's make Nick Fury look like Samuel Jackson. And then when they made the movies, they were like, oh, well, he's got to be Samuel Jackson. 
Oh, you're saying they didn't do it in response to the movies. They did it prior to That's the movies. Pretty, it was prior without, to that. Without knowing the casting. Never. Yeah, they just thought it'd be cool to like, who would be a badass, like a totally different Nick Fury than has been, you know, in, wow. uh, you know, in, 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 in the, the, the Marvel universe for years, who's so different, but like so badass in this ultimate version of the Avengers where in that one, but they were like, let's, who, who would be a great Nick Fury? Oh, Samuel Jackson. He's such a badass. Let's do that. And I guess when they were making the movies, you know, they're like, well, that's awesome. Let's do that. What if we can actually get Samuel Jackson? And does he always have the eye patch? Yeah, 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 yeah. In the so original Nick Fury that's version cool. did, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nick Fury I, in the past has always been, had prior to that, had been white. And I think even David yeah. Hasselhoff played him in some- He did. In some, what? In some movie or TV movie or something yeah. like that. Oh, we yeah. got to see that. It was a very, right, different, yeah. uh, very different character before the Ultimates. Yeah, you're right. We need a response team. The Avengers Initiative- shut down. This isn't about the Avengers. We've seen the list. They're running the world's greatest covert security network and you're gonna leave the fate of the human race to a handful of freaks. I'm not leaving anything to anyone. We need a response team. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. It's funny, I remember seeing that like i said i seem to recall seeing this movie with you jason that kate and i saw it and i and i remember being excited but not so what what was right before this what was the movie that came out right before this in the mcu it was uh, captain america the first avenger it was first avenger okay i was sort mm. of my enthusiasm for the movies had waned a little bit by this point. <laughs> you know, we loved Iron Man and we we were, we liked them, but it, my excitement had sort of waned. This was right, I think shortly after this is when I really started to get back into the comics, which would, which would time out right for sure. what I was saying earlier. Um, so by the time Dark Knight, right by the summer, I was like super into it and collecting them all and mm. going to Forbidden Planet. So I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't a huge Avengers guy either, Dan. I always liked the street level. T- so like, like I said, Daredevil and Spider-Man and I was a big street level hero guy growing up. So I didn't, didn't know like much about going them. to outer space and fighting, you know, I didn't. Not, I not wasn't. Havoc. I wasn't a big. I wasn't a fan of the Infinity Gauntlet series in the comics, and so even when I knew Thanos was going to be introduced, I was like, "Meh, okay, whatever." Ended up loving you. it. But so I was excited about this because the idea of it seemed really cool, and um, but I remember seeing it and really loving it. And to your point, I do remember thinking right off the the bat being like, wow, they're off and running and holy shit, Hawkeye, they're already turning Hawkeye into a bad guy. Like what is going on? I, I was sort of uh, taken aback by yeah, that. Yeah, we but barely get to know him and then boom. In a way that yeah. In the beginning, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I went with it and I, you know, I, I remember enjoying it and I remember, you know, that first moment when they all come together in that, you know, in New York City, I mean, boom, it's, it's, they, they do, I remember loving Loving, loving, loving Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. I, I loved it all. But I was like, that was great. And then I sort of pushed it aside. And it was never one of my favorites. Mm. You know, even when we did our top 10 list, that wasn't on there. I mean, I loved it. Really? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I loved it. Infinity War was my number one. And Endgame wow. was, I think, it was number three. But I always really liked it. Don't get me wrong. But it was sort of, I sort of just sort of shoved it aside a bit. And... Uh, I'll tell you, watching it, rewatching it this time, I'm going, this is goddamn near a 
perfect movie. This is like for a superhero movie. And again, I never, it was never that I didn't like it before. It was just a little lesser than some of the others, but you know, you've said it, you, both of you guys said this in, in that superhero one, if this one doesn't work, nothing else does after it. And yeah. by gum, they fucking knock it out of the park. <laughs> they get it. Joss Whedon. Holy shit. He just gets it right. And again, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Brian Michael Bendis and for what he created with the universe, but they take that and they run with it. And holy shit, it's just written so well. It's so smart to make them so mistrustful and adversarial right off the bat. And it just yes. gives them something to work towards those. This is a movie filled with so many great set pieces all throughout. Uh, and the, the whole, that first circle, that whole team up of them in New York, it's so iconic and it never should have happened. It never should have worked. And the fact that it does is just incredible. Um, and having making Loki the villain is, was brilliant because he was such, you know, yes. this, he was the standout yes. of, of the, Thor, you know, the first Thor movie. Uh, that intro to Black Widow is fucking <laughs> That's, that's brilliant. a brilliant scene. That's brilliant. a brilliant, brilliant scene. And, and you know what? It's amazing. And I love the first time you see any superhero kicking ass in that movie. It's a woman. We need you to come in. Are you kidding? I'm working. This takes precedence. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. This moron is giving me everything. I don't give everything. Look, you can't pull me out of this right now. Natasha. Barton's been compromised. Let me put you on hold. Tony Stark really doesn't come into play until quite some time into it. And from what I read, he really fought against that. He's like, guys, this has got to start. This has got to start with Tony Stark. It's got to start with him leading the charge. It's so and funny. I, I yeah. think it's brilliant because it, they literally go in ascending order. They start, they literally go in the order that we always think of them in. And Stark is the last one because right. he is the biggest, you know, before yeah. him is Captain America before him. I mean, they did it that way. You know, Hawkeye, you meet right away and then he's turned into a villain right away. At the beginning of this movie is very weird because of how long it spends with characters who are not the marquee characters. It's all, yeah. it's Nick Fury, Maria Hill, Hawkeye and Loki are the, and Stellan, uh, Scars. Yeah. And I think that's what threw me off. Like I said yes, in the beginning, that I was like, weird. wait, this is, and Coulson, I'm, I'm not and expecting Coulson. this. Yeah. And then they go in, but then they go to Scarlett Johansson as the next one. Then she goes to Ruffalo Then Hulk's next. Then we get, and I think we go right into Captain America and, yeah. and, and Iron Man. Cause we don't see Thor until he comes to the, right. We don't see Thor until he comes to the plane to get yeah. Loki. Mm -hmm. Right. But exactly. we already had the Asgard influence. So you kind of already have that world in there. I think mm. it's brilliantly structured. And it's funny that you say that about Robert Downey Jr. Kind of balking at be, coming into it so late because I feel like it builds to him. It's like, and now here's the guy you came for, you yeah. know, Iron Man. I think it's, I think it's brilliant the way they build it. The funny it. thing is with that too, is as much as I love, like the the dialogue is so brilliant. That first scene between we talked about this, you know, on the on the, the superhero episode, but the scene between Ruffalo and Scarlett Johansson when you, they first meet is so well done. It's just all great. The 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 only lines that miss for me in this 
are a lot of Robert Downey Jr.'s lines. And most of them are ones that I'm sure that he improvised. Batman is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. They go along with who Tony Stark is, but a bunch of them, like the Reindeer Games line, the Rock of Ages one. Some I like of his, all that you, stuff. Point Break. I like all that stuff. I, like I remember thinking, things. even at the time, hmm. uh, a little too topical. A little too topical, and we're a little too late. <laughs> reindeer Games isn't a thing anymore. And watching it now, again, the same thing going... Games? What? He calls he Loki that because he's got he calls the Loki horns. reindeer games. He's got the, the horns. <laughs> and you can I tell never, that that's something. Yeah, that's you can tell that doing. that's something that that Robert Downey Jr. just threw out, you know, that he probably improvised on the, you know, on the set and they kept it. Those are the only things that I, I'm like, that's Robert Downey Jr. improving. Doesn't work. It's a little too topical and we passed <laughs> it. Um, and but but then you have things like the shawarma scene. You know, apparently you improvised that on the spot. So and good. That is you get incredible. the greatest post-credit scene ever, which Agreed. I didn't realize was filmed after the movie premiered. Yep. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. What? Chris Evans had grown a beard for his next movie, so that's why Chris Evans doesn't move and he has his hand like this. Yeah. Because they put some prosthetic stuff over his face so that you wouldn't see the beard, but it looked too shitty, so Hilarious. he had to like, sit like this the whole time. I think they filmed it the night of the premiere, or like the next day after the premiere. They thought, you're, how funny would that be right. to do that? They had everybody in town for the big premiere, and they were like, okay, now we're going to film the stinger we, we want to do a little post-credits. That's amazing. Isn't that brilliant? So then, yeah. so it was like a Monday or something that the movie had its premiere. They filmed wow. it. They filmed the thing. And then by the end of the week, when it went into theaters, it was it was tagged on. And that's how yeah. quickly they were able to do the turnaround on it. It's amazing. They, just, they do moment. such a great job at, I guess, just establishing the characters and their relationships. And even with Natasha and Clint, it's such a beautiful relationship that, you know, they, they drop little teases that they're together, but just the idea that they're just soldiers, you know, that she talking about like, this is monsters and magic. This is stuff that we're not used to. I mean, that's, I love it's that. just great. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> line. And it just, it, everything is so natural, you know, it's not just, I mean, that's the biggest sort of the, um, you know, the knock at what I guess DC did that everything just gets sort of thrown together a little too quickly this, I mean, yes, granted, you have the movies to build it up, but they, it's just it's just so smart how they, how all these characters relate to each other. Uh, it's yes. done, it's just oh, so Oh, the relationships are fantastic. The, the animosity between Captain America and Iron Man and the, uh, and, and the Science Brothers thing, that's what they call it, the, the, oh, the friendship between... Robert so Downey great. Jr. and Mark Ruffalo is yeah. fantastic. And then he's the revelation in this movie. We talked about this on the superhero. I mean, yeah. Ruffalo is Hulk. It just to me is, is what makes the movie. The movie works so great, but he's the one who puts it over the top for it's me. It's the cherry Everything on top him. of the Sunday, And it's yes. so, it's so uh, vindicating because, you know, coming into this when we were kids, Hulk was along with Spider-Man, Hulk was the character. It was Spider-Man and the Hulk. They were the most popular. And then when it comes to translating them to film, the Hulk kept stuff. I like the Ang Lee Hulk very much. I actually think it's brilliant. I think it's a brilliant movie. I'll say that. It's not well liked. And mm, and it was not it part again. of the MCU. And no. then they, they did the reboot with Ed Norton. Edward and Norton. And Ed Norton, I thought, was good. And I don't dislike that movie, but... It's yeah. not what Ruffalo is. And and the Hulk is not you. They never figured out on film how to use the Hulk in a way that made him 
leap off the comic book page and feel heroic and funny and badass and and everything that we loved about the Hulk when we were a kid. And chaotic. And this movie gets it from beginning to end. Every and the look of the Hulk, the the animation of the Hulk, the design, I think is better than than anything before or since. I actually think he looks better mm. in this and probably in Age of Ultron than he does when they kind of humanize him more in Ragnarok and yeah. and then the other. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Hulk's, the whole thing that the Hulk is bringing in this. Yeah. And I also think the movie does right by him in so many ways. He's got the biggest laughs in the movie. He's got the biggest Ugh. cheer moments in the movie, the biggest yeah. hero moments. Literally, the second, the moment that brings them all together where you say that iconic shot of the six of them or whatever in that circle in New York is, is cued by... Dr. Banner, now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. And it's such a stand-up and cheer moment. And then when he saves Tony Stark at the end, that's chills. It's like tears running down your face. He gets all the big hero moments. I mean, and so does Iron Man. And punching Thor. The punchlines, Loki. Punching Thor and then throwing Loki around. I remember that opening night. It's coming out party, this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. After two movies that didn't work for him to be like, I mean, that's the putting the, (laughs) we talk, I say sometimes I use this very lovely phrase, putting your balls on the table. I mean, that's the moment where it's like saying like, this thing that you feel nobody can crack, not only are we going to put all these heroes together in a movie, not only are we going to make it all work and balance it somehow and keep it funny and this and that, we're also going to solve this problem. The biggest problem where people are like, keep the Hulk out of your movie because Hulk doesn't work on film. And then you make him not just work, but be the the best thing about the film in a way. It's it's really impressive. I never put it together before, but that I guess is what, does make this so delightful because I didn't dislike the Edward Norton one. I didn't dislike the Ang Lee one. I had fun at them. But what puts this one over, it, you're, you're absolutely right. And I guess I never thought of it in that way because I was so, so, so into the Hulk as a kid. The TV show, again, not the yeah. comic. Mm-hmm. I only yeah. do the comic peripherally. But the TV show with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, I mean, you know, I had the big, I had two posters on my wall. One was <laughs> that, the other, as you know, was Fonzie. And then sort of the third big influence was Mr. Spock. And if you think about me, I'm basically those three people. And when I say I'm basically those three people, I want to be those three people. I'm not any of them. You've got the nose of Henry Winkler. Thank you. The anger of uh, the Hulk. Of the Hulk. And 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 ears. I'm on my way to having the ears of Mr. Spock. You're very logical. You're very logical. The way you you decide what to get at cats is. Listen, Sheila ratings. When you, when you, and and that's the id, the ego, and the superego, right? I've cracked the (laughs) Freudian code. If only that movie with the bear costume had cracked this Freudian code the way I just cracked it. Was there ever, did Downey Jr. ever want to throw in lines from True Believer into the mix? <laughs> did he ever want to throw in anything? He, he wanted the ponytail to be, uh, to be the, the <laughs> more prominent, to be the villain. <laughs> the ponytail to be the villain. Oh, God. <laughs> Speaking it's one of villains, the back of Tom, James Woods' head to be the villain. Yes, I'm sorry. Tom Hiddleston is so fucking yeah. delightfully gleefully juicy 
Yes. In this role, he's so, he's so good. He's, he's so, so good. And so it's so good. interesting the evolution of this character because he's he's fun. I mean, he, he strikes a great balance in this because he's charming, yeah, and he's funny and he's vulnerable, but he's also mm-hmm. horrifying. I mean, he's a murderer and he is oh, yeah. he is he's intense in this. And then to see he's where he's gone in the MCU. It's like it's like Terrence Stamp's General Zod being like kind of becoming like a like a kind of fun antihero. I mean, you know, what I mean, it's like very odd how yeah. how this guy who's really pretty evil in this movie then winds up. Uh, he's so well liked by the audience that I think Marvel made a it made a very uh, conscious decision to keep him around and find ways to keep him more. Uh, un- not unwittingly heroic, but more like put into more situations where he had to be on the side of right or on the side of the heroes more often than not yeah. because he's just so likable. He's just so fucking likable. He's always the god of mischief. He's always going to throw a little monkey wrench in there, but mm-hmm. he's, you know, now in his own series, which I, I like, I don't necessarily love it, but you know, I mean, he's the... He's a hero. He's our leading man, you know, and it's very interesting that that character has been able, has tracked through so well. And I remember seeing the first Thor on opening night with you, Fred. And I remember thinking Mm -hmm. like, who is this guy? I was like, God, the Loki is really, really quite great. And yeah, he's just, he's just fantastic. And it's so interesting just to mention Hemsworth, who is so kind of like a, it's so funny how he went on to become such a big staple of the universe, but also so, so funny and charismatic in he's later hilarious. films. I mean, in Endgame, he's like, I mean, he's like this comic, comic, like inspired comic performance that he gives in that. And uh, he's hilarious in Ghostbusters. The new, the, he's, the, he's brilliant in, in that. that. He's very funny in that. That's not a great movie at all, but he's no. so funny in that. And that's the turning point because then yes. a year later he does go, Ragnarok oh. where he's quite funny and yeah. i don't think people knew he was funny until ghostbusters but mm-hmm. because he has moments even in the first thor the brana thor mm-hmm. where he's oh, God, he's quite Brana. funny but it's like it's mostly the fish out of water stuff that's funny it's not He's but I don't know if it was that they didn't know that he funny. could do comedy. I think it was maybe they didn't know how to do could, Thor, yeah. how to do the character, yeah. how to, you know, because they went, Brana, you know, talked about that. He wanted to direct it and because it it, it was Shakespearean. You know, we yeah. have to do this like it's Shakespeare. Mm. Um, and, you know, with the two brothers and this, this kingdom, the Warring Kingdoms. And in this, he still got a bit of that. So it's, and I think it works. I think if he, if he were, it's funny watching it now you go oh he's sort of like the most dour of them you know he doesn't because we know what he does at Ragnarok was such a surprise to be like mm-hmm. oh he's funny he's yeah. he's quippy now yeah. he's 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 this other thing and I think that was a really smart move because after the dark world it was like we got to do something different with this character we gotta you know yeah. give it a little life and then it you know it went a little too far on the spectrum with um love and thunder in my opinion i haven't seen no, it i don't i didn't i didn't like love and thunder i didn't like I it didn't it was like too it. much it was too oh, silly I seen it. And, uh, and yeah and but, there's a touch of humor there's more humor in him in uh age of ultron too or a, yeah, a touch yeah, yeah. more a Bit touch more. more and he has Bit some more. funny lines in here the thing where he says uh, yeah, adopted absolutely. brother and stuff yeah i mean he's it just he's not uh, as formidable a presence in this as some of the other characters and it's funny because he's now you know He's like of the leading guys of the MCU. He's the yeah. only one that's still kind of left. I don't know if we'll see him again after Love and but, Thunder, but you know. Again, going back to the idea, like mm. I think it was really smart 
that they kept him that way because it just adds another element to, you know, all these fishes, fishies, fishes out of water together. <laughs> the adversary, you know, Cap and Iron Man not getting along, you know, Cap being so by the book, Iron Man being this sort of like fuck up rogue that, you know, they're always bickering mm -hmm. and, um, you know, then then having this, then having these two just sort of foot soldiers in a way with Clint and Natasha and then taking this other guy who's literally a god and it's got such a different demeanor about him. I think it they were smart to keep it that way. I feel like if he had more of like the quippy lines and it was a little funnier and maybe because maybe they literally just didn't realize that they were going to go in that direction. Yeah, but it works so. in this movie. It makes it makes it all all their relationships work and it just it 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 makes those group scenes crackle. The world's filling up with people who can't be matched. They can't be controlled. Like you controlled the cube? Your work with the Tesseract is what drew Loki to it and his allies. It is a signal to all the realms that the Earth is ready for a higher form of war. A higher form? You forced our hand. We had to come up with something. A nuclear some... deterrent. Because that always calms everything right down. Remind me again how you made your fortune, Stark. I'm sure if you still made weapons, Stark would be neck deep. Wait, wait, hold on. How is this now about me? I'm sorry, isn't everything? I thought humans were more evolved than this. Excuse me, did we come to your planet and blow stuff you up? Understand. You, normally you'd say you watch something like this and then you say like, oh, but now it's gotten so much bigger and more complex and and we've gone so many different places and it's improved upon itself so much that maybe this mm. seems quaint or unsatisfying or something. I want to go I, back I it, to this. I, I That's the thing I was going to say is that this was just so brilliant and and it's amazing what's so special about this is that as a culmination in, in and of itself like as a point on the timeline this was a big culmination just mm -hmm. five movies in and it was like nobody yeah. thought you could do that and have it work and people were like this is going to be so weird and they're not going to fit together because the movies aren't similar thor is nothing like iron man is nothing like captain america you're asking for trouble putting them together. And then Joss Whedon <laughs> cracks the code. They're so great together. I remember the first time you see Captain America and Iron Man land next to Captain America and it breaks your brain a little bit. You're like, yeah, I'm not supposed to see comic book characters. For, it, comic book characters are just supposed to stay in their own movies. And that's it. That's how we've always seen it with Superman and Batman and everything. The Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. You never knew there were other characters in that world because movies didn't do that. And then you see it. And you're like, this is like, can you sustain this? Does this make sense? And then the movie does it so beautifully. And then they all go and then you say, well, they're all going to go off in their own different directions. That doesn't make sense. Shouldn't they always be together now? And they just, Kevin Feige and all the writers and directors at that studio, they had such a, um, I use this word a lot, masterful, you know, guiding influence over the arc of that story and it did grow and get better and there were peaks and valleys and movies that worked better than others but all the way through Endgame, i really yeah. was like this is just incredible they're so assured that it's so impressive and now it's getting too it's dissipating for me it's starting I to don't lose even, it i don't even me. i can't even tell you the last one i you know what i watched the spider-man way through work. I like She-Hulk. She she all lot. the way through. She Hulk was was great, I yeah. love She-Hulk, and I love the Spider-Man movies. You know what's funny is that you say, you know, okay, you're going to put all these things. To, everyone's saying you're going to put all these things together, and they don't work. It seems like somebody's going, okay, let's put them all together and have it not work, and that's the plot. 
You see, so but that's, right. the, that's the whole idea. But that's the whole thing, right? They don't, right. they, they're against each other until they come together to fight. Yeah, and yeah. even then, even when they're coming together to fight that bigger threat, you still have like, you know, you still have, they have to like deal with each other's personalities they and they still like, yeah. you know, but they learn to be a team over the course of that. It is, it's really smart. It's so. And it's, and it continues throughout the, the entire series throughout the, the, you know, the up until end game, just in civil terms of their journeys and, yeah. and where it comes from and yeah, through civil war and, right. and, and it just makes me yeah, wonder, they, like, can they do, can they pull this off again? Like, can no. they get back to a place like this? I just feel like the universe has expanded so much and gotten so cosmic and then with the multiverse it becomes you know it's like it's satisfying to see three spider-man on screen i loved that is it going to be satisfying if you say nothing really i mean this is going off of this movie obviously but like you know quantumania which was not good i saw that you know i i that's the album Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. I just wonder if it's going oh to, God, because I, I like you, when you, the key was when you said, I like the street level stuff and I never was into the cosmic comics as a kid. Yeah. I wasn't into the cosmic stuff either. I like the stuff that's like, look at them interacting on in our world. I like that mm-hmm. Superman basically lives in New York. Batman's basically in whatever Chicago, <laughs> you know, that Spider-Man is literally in New York, Daredevil, all those characters. And I love that this movie takes place essentially in, New York. I like the nods to the cosmic. They balance, they do that really well. I like a little sure. bit. I like the guardians and I like pulling them in and the Thanos. Like they kind they really did it so well for so long. But after Endgame, it feels like uh and that, that's natural that it's gonna feel a little aimless after that because you pulled off like the like this most incredible feat in cinematic history, tying 22 yeah. movies together and ending it so well. But you're not saying this is the end now and we're going away. You're not doing the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight thing of like, and now I'm done. And this is what I wanted to do. And I'm going away and you can make Batman movies, but I ain't doing them. And you're not going to blame me for them when they're less (laughs) intriguing than this. This is like still, you know, it's still going. It's because the Disney company likes money. (laughs) Fred, you wouldn't know anything about that. Let me ask you two questions first. Yeah. Is cosplay when people dress up like Bill Cosby? And second of all, am I the first person to have thought of that joke? And reality is the situation. Well, I, I always to, dress I'm up. Whenever I go to Comic Con, I dress up like Bill Cosby as the goat devil in Devlin Max Devlin. Whenever, no one ever knows who I am. That's what but happens I do. when I go dressed as Keisha Knight Pulliam. <laughs> Rosie. I am your father. Rufy, I mean, Rudy, you come over here now. You're getting a mustache, so we're bringing in Raven Simone, you see. <laughs> she got a little mustache, and she did. her face was not as cute anymore. And all of a sudden, here's another younger kid coming over. And Rudy was like, and then she was just eating herself to sleep at night. It's the. <laughs> It's Speaking like when different strokes brought in Sam. Remember Sam? Oh, yeah. They brought in Sam. They brought in Sam. Strokes. They it's like when that. Family Ties, they had another baby. Yeah. <gasps> Brady Bunch brought in little Spencer, whatever. Spencer yes. for hire? It was yeah, Spencer Bunch? for hire. How many Sheilas for the Avengers? I give this wonderful movie 9.5. It's wonderful. Yeah, I think I'm living there too, 9.5. 
Yes. I was flirting with 10. I was like, what's wrong with this movie? There's nothing wrong with this movie. I think I'm going to moderate that and go with you guys. 9.5, but I, but I was flirting with disass, sir. No, I was flirting with a 10. I was flirting with a 10, but I think it's 9.5 or 9.75. He wasn't on board with that. I did, no, because it made me think, though, of spe- speaking of flirting with disaster, because we talked about this on the last episode, and um, our friend and, and listener, Evan Malter, uh, r- was, was telling me about... Um, because you mentioned in the Flirting Disaster episode about going to see Rent and Adina Menzel. And right. uh, he said, here's an unimportant piece of trivia that ties back to a few episodes. Did you know that Adina Menzel is married to one of the Mighty Ducks, Aaron Lore? Oh, no. Which I don't one know who Aaron Lore plays in the. Which one? Well, I'm going to tell you in a second. Find Aaron Lore, the Mighty Ducks, was. The stupid one. I don't know who he was. I think maybe he was in one of the sequels. Oh. But he's a mighty duck. That doesn't help. No. <laughs> is he Evan. a mighty duck? Is he a mighty duck like an NHL mighty duck, like an actual mighty duck? Because that's a team. No. That's a real team. He's the in Anaheim the mighty duck. He's an he's a movie movie mighty movie. duck. He's We're going to keep that in because Evan hooked me up with Pearl Jam tickets, so it doesn't matter. Oh, that's so a no, lovely no, piece I have, of No, trivia. I have to keep it in because uh, because <laughs> I, you got Pearl Jam tickets. <laughs> I got and nothing also because, and liked because it. Because he's a good guy and he listens to our I'm podcast, which is what Evan. everyone else should be doing. Tell, listen, tell all your friends, listen to the podcast. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the iTunes, everywhere else. Write some reviews. Let people know. Yeah. Do all How the stuff you, you love us. Podcasts. How much yeah. you love us. I'm, I'm just going to reiterate. I'm going to go with you guys. 9.5. For the Avengers, oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna no, 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 no. I did, but then I was like, maybe it's nine point seven five. I'm flirting with a ten. Let me just be with you guys. Nine point five. It's excellent. It's not the Dark Knight Rises, but it's excellent. Um, who, I just had a friend. Who am I? Who am I being? Who Gimli? am I? Who, what character am I? Oh, your oh, Bane. Bane. Dan, Bane. Dan right now See? has lowered his face down. The microphone, the pop filter's in front of his face. My nose and is he, hidden for once. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, he's pulled back his already receding hairline. Thank you. Since we're doing further. blasts from the past, from uh, I just <clears throat> got a text while we're recording from my friend Gina Daniels, who listens to the podcast, who just started. She was uh, my co-star in Becomes a Woman um, off-Broadway in January, Yay. February. She started listening the day the show closed. She's now up to, I think, episode 80. She's been just, just she's just been, she's going to catch up with us fan. very soon. That's she called a really is a super fan. She loves the show. She loves oh. it. Is she like the best? Um, yeah, me. She loves me. But, what? you know, that's a first. You are, are I mean, great that's too. wonderful for you. She's sent me so many messages about the podcast, but the one that just came through just says Purple Rain, Footloose, Flashdance. How did none of these soundtracks make anybody's list? Yeah, sure. And she says, Purple, period, Rain, Rain period. period. She's right. She's right. That should have been on there. I'm so sorry to admit, right. I only listened to Purple Rain for the first time in my life about six months ago. I never listened to the whole album. I was never a Prince guy. Yeah, I weird. loved it. I loved. I, I, I loved that. I never album. listened to it from start to finish. It start, oh start to finish. It start to finish. I love it. 
but I, but I'm not. I don't know the movie. Like so, I don't associate. Yeah. I associate. I, I think of it as an album. I don't really know yeah. the movie. We'll have to schedule it at some point. Speaking but, of uh, being disappointed, I got a disappointed message from um, no. my friend Melanie, who's a big listener, who said, "I'm a little disappointed that no one made a Demi Moore giant peaches quip. It was right there, guys." Giant peaches. Oh, because of James and the giant peach and her giant peaches. Did we do those on the same episode? Wait, that's Patricia no, Arquette or Demi Moore. Oh, Demi Moore. Yeah, yeah no, wow. that's not. That's not. Connected. Yeah, Melanie, you're you're. Yeah, but you know, but we very often talk about. We know because we mentioned yeah. when we were talking about one of those movies last week. We were talking about. Uh, Oh, you're talking about the rhino from James and the Giant Peach. And I said, yeah. did Woody Harrelson buy that rhino from oh, Billy Charles? Oh, that's so, why she so said So we that. were doing callbacks to Indecent Proposal. She's right. There. She's right. It's we, very it true. It was right it's there. It was right there and we missed it. What else did Gina say? Anything good? What did she say about me? She just said uh, she's listening to the Fatal Attraction episode right now. And she had gotten something in her inbox from the New Yorker. Hey, oh about the morbid power of fatal attraction, like an article on it that she just sent me. I'll have to read that. But they she made sends a series me stuff out of it. Constantly. She loves the show and Yay. Uh, Oh, she said, um <laughs> she said, as you know, just two days ago, as you know, I'm trying to keep the podcast texts to a minimum. That's not true, Gina. You you text me constantly and I love it. But I'm at episode seventy five and you have just changed your Star Wars Sheila's from a nine to a 10. And I would like to thank you for coming to your senses. <laughs> That's good. She, she has a lot of opinions. That's Gina Daniels. Anyway, um, we love our listeners. We love our friends. Yay. Thank you so much for uh, joining us again for yet another episode of opening weekend. Uh, the March to episode 100. It doth continue unabated. Wow, <laughs> we are, we are, uh, we are rocketing towards one. I say rocketing. It's only going to take us six months to get to one hundred at the rate we go. No, no, no. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna get these episodes out. We're gonna, we're gonna crank them out for you. Uh, next time we are going to revisit May twenty second, nineteen ninety eight, and the twenty fifth anniversary of Roland Emmerich's mega-budget wet fart follow-up to Independence Day, Godzilla, starring Matthew Broderick and Maria Pitillo, I believe, as well as Warren Beatty's political satire, Bullworth, which I loved at the time when I saw it, and Johnny Depp as Hunter S. Thompson in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which I have never, Mm. ever seen. That is next time on episode 96 of Opening Weekend. Dan, I know your wife's sleeping. You got anything for us? Can you fart? Can you fart anything for us? Or will the sound of your dulcet palms rouse her? She's used to sleeping through those, I'm sure. (laughs) She sleeps with the real ones. Sleep with the real ones. In honor. I don't know what that means. In honor of. I'm going to find my mother. In honor of Fred's impending colonoscopy which i wish to be a gentle experience i'll very gently play i don't know the name of the song but i assume it's it's hulk theme from the old cartoon doc bruce banner doc bruce banner belted by gamma rays turns into turns the hulk into the hulk unglamorous Threatens the town with the with power, the power of, of a bull. Ain't, Ain't no monster, monster clown, clown who is, who as, is lovable as lovable 
as ever. I thought you were going to do the uh, from Hulk, uh, the Incredible Hulk, Hulk, the Bill Bixby one. I can, I was gonna be I very can go into that. that at the end of Bud. Da, 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 da. I can go into that da, too. Da, okay. That's gentle. That would oh, things would come out smoothly. All right, well, <laughs> that'll be well. This will be nice because the, the first one will be like your first colonoscopy, and then the second one will be gentle and smooth. Yeah, da, da, da. like we hope, we all hope and pray your second one will be. Yes. Okay, here we go. Fantastic. I forgot the little tag. You know. Oh, yeah. They always do the little tag. Okay. Yeah. Mr. McGee, <coughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. You'd like me when I'm angry. <laughs> and then just as the anesthesia just takes Fred gently into sleep, the doctor will say, the secret is I'm always angry. <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Well, I'm all alone. I'm all alone. The boys have uh, have left to go about their various and sundry ways. Hello, welcome back to Botched Colonoscopy Theater. I'll now sing you the theme song. Botched Colonoscopy Theater. It's botched colonoscopy theater. Fred had a botched colonoscopy a couple of weeks ago. The doctor went in and he pulled it out and then it was time for Fred to go. And by go, I mean... And by go, I mean... All over the doctor, all over the floor, all over the camera. There was so much more than anyone expected because it was a botched <coughs> co na that Fred had.